Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get to our first segment, want to give a quick shout out to Insider at KellySoccer5 who writes, Best Podcast 5 Stars. Love Omar and love hearing from these guys. They have a variety of people on and they are taking care of the position most people forget about. Brilliant job. Hopefully I can work with Omar one day. Love watching his YouTube videos and learning from him. Thanks, Kelly. And remember, if you want to get a shout-out and be eligible for prizes and contests, just leave a review on iTunes. Literally takes 10 seconds and helps us out tremendously. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all your support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me very early in the morning for us is a multi-hyphenate business tycoon, <laughs> Saskia Weber. Wow. <laughs> That's a good okay. title, right? You keep changing oh, it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, look, when you're no longer just 99 World Cup winner, UCLA goalkeeper coach, now you now you're a now you're a big big time big time business person. Uh, speaking of big time, today we have someone pretty darn big time here. We have Manchester City slash England goalkeeper Karen Bardshley. Did I pronounce that right? Is that the actual proper pronunciation? No. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. At least he didn't try an English accent with it. Okay. <laughs> you, am I Dutch? I mean, Bardshley. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I, I, I am. You know the. <laughs> I always just try to, I try to be so appropriate. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find the proper pronunciation based on like the original origins of the last name. And then oh, everyone's dear. like, no, nah, it's just, just Barsley. It's just Barsley fine. Yeah. Fine I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California. My parents are from Manchester. So I, I don't <laughs> think it's, it's pretty much as common as you can get, to be honest. Yeah. He's, <laughs> trust me. But I appreciate, I appreciate the effort <laughs> to make it a bit more exotic. I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, okay, we have to we have to put a little bit of flair. By the way, um, what was the one that I did uh, last week, Saskia? Where you're like, wait, what did you, what did you no, do the that? Best is, oh, the Lafari. This is Franz Hooks. Oh yeah. I mean, I, we Hooks. couldn't figure. We just can't figure out what kind of accent you try to use when you try to do those <laughs> names, and it definitely wasn't a Dutch accent. Smoking a pancake. Karen, the best though is the, is when the English announcers when they try to uh, when they try to use the proper pronunciation for for different countries around the world. Oh, I always I love. Oh, they're trying so hard though, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a little embarrassing, and then everyone obviously most people watch like a, an English feed, don't they? So everyone else starts to take on this like yeah. pronunciation that is just so wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of your Cal South roots, uh, let's kind of get into that a little bit because some of our audience might not be familiar. They're just like, they know you from the World Cup. They know you from Man City, you know, maybe a little bit of time when you were playing in Sweden and over here. But a lot of people don't know actually that you're, you're a Cal South, original Cal State Fullerton Titans right there, you know, nothing against Saskia's <laughs> UCLA Bruins, you know, that she coaches at right now. Um, but, but, uh, hey, we all got to have somebody to play against, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so why don't you tell a little bit of uh, our audience here who might not be familiar, how, how the heck this all happened? How did you end up, uh, going over to the UK, uh, becoming part of such a huge, massive club, all of that? Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, you know, my parents are from Manchester originally. My entire family's from England. Um, I moved over to, I mean, I was born and raised in Southern <laughs> California. 
Um, and then I moved to Sweden after three years in the WPS um, for Sky Blue when the WPS basically disbanded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were suddenly kind of like, oh, you know, do I really want to do this? Do I want to try and, you know, continue to make a career out of this? So I thought, well, because um, I was I was with England at the time, um, I thought, well, why don't I just kind of like head back over to Europe and try to find, you know, a professional league. And at the time, like Sweden was really, you know, dominating a lot of the leagues in in uh, in like the Champions League and stuff with Umia, Tiraso, you know, and I was at Linköping and stuff. So um, I tried that for a few seasons, didn't quite settle. Um, and then I came to England. Um, you know, I, I signed for a club um, in Lincoln, of all places. Really beautiful city, but, you know, absolutely nothing to do. Um, and I thought, right, this this isn't really matching up with with what I want to achieve. And then um, in 2014, end of 2015, sorry, 13, um, Manchester City decided that they were going to apply for a position in the Women's Super League. So, you know, I um, spoke to my agent and I said, you know, like, are they interested at all? And at first he was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to pack my bags and head to California for Christmas. And when I was on my way to the airport, of all things, um, my agent rang me and was like, actually, you know, Gavin, the director of women's football, wants to have a word. So he met me at the airport and showed me me all the plans. And, um, you know, I had a pretty good idea after that meeting that I was going to try and, you know, play at at Man City as long as I could. And, you know, seven years later, here I am. Nice. (laughs) I mean, that's just amazing. And, you know, I think one of the great things is is nowadays with, the way social media is, the way streaming is nowadays. Um, a lot of the, you know, the younger players here are becoming familiar, you know, with that league over there, you know, mm-hmm. and the level, obviously. And obviously, Man City, I mean, you guys are just have been absolutely crushing it for the last few years. I mean, it's just, you know, um, the success has been, been really, really, really high. Um, I, uh, I want to I wanna bring up this, you know, kind of is that uh, Saskia as well was a, is a dual citizen. And uh, right. she, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'm the crazy Dutch. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, and I ran into the same thing back when the, um, when the WSA shut down um, was, you know, am I going to, do I want to keep doing this and stuff? But I had, you know, I was a little, I was older at that point and I had, you know, been in Japan playing pro and everything like that. And then when WSA shut down, it was like, well, I have my dual citizenship. I can, you know, go over to Europe and um, I retired. <laughs> that's the short end of that story I was sorry. it was that good was it <laughs> I couldn't do it again I was like my body my body was done they're like okay <laughs> well, well they well, say speak- when you know you know <laughs> well speaking for some, somebody whose body who's, who's not done by any stretch of the imagination it's Karen right here and, and Karen one of, the, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on for this topic right here is because you are so good at reading the flight of the ball um, I mean you can even see you know some of your even iconic saves just in regards to like how you follow through with the whole ball, how your eyes stay on that ball the entire time. Um, so we really want to talk about this topic because this is one of these things where a lot of young goalkeepers, they, they don't read the flight of the ball. They, they move into spaces rather than actually following, following through with the ball. So kind of, can you kind of break down just for us a little bit who might be not familiar, like some parents out there, what are we referring to when we're talking about the flight of the ball? Well, I'll try and keep it as simple as possible because obviously over the years it's certainly changed a lot. 
Um, but, you know, essentially the fight of the ball is, you know, from the moment that um, a ball leaves the foot of, you know, the opposition or whoever is striking the ball and, and essentially the trajectory that it takes, um, you know, to get from point A to point B. So obviously the point of football is to get the ball in the back of the net. So nine times out of 10, they're probably hitting it on target or at least attempting to. So um, ideally, you know, it's just kind of making sure that your line of sight is as clear as possible. Um, but then also that you're loaded and balanced in your set position early enough to be able to make those movements and adjustments, um, you know, and if the ball does kind of take a deflection or, you know, if the wind takes it or if, you know, like these days, it, the, the movement of the ball is so, you know, unpredictable um, that you're in a position where you can move from that set position effectively and have a solid barrier behind the ball. Um, so that's, you know, it, there's so many things that you can break down as well, you know, in terms of the flight of the ball, watching the spin, um, where the striker or the attacker is striking the ball on the face of the ball, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, got spin um, from inside out to outside in or, you know, a knuckle or a wobble. Um, so these are all the, the kinds of things that fortunately um, we have the resources, you know, with our coaches who can strike these balls and, um, you know, we practice these things kind of day in and day out. So um, I, I, would, I would imagine a lot of it has to do with just repetition and understanding that these types of movements like can happen. And the more that the, the footballs change, the lighter they get, or, you know, even stitching the materials that they're made of um, can add a bit more movement. So essentially for me, giving any advice to a young goalkeeper would be that you need to get set as early as possible, see the ball as early as possible, but then also you need to be patient. So you don't want to try and anticipate, you know, where the ball is going to go because the direction can change so quickly. You know, I, I want to bring that up right now because, you know, you brought up a really good point in regards to the patience. And Sask, do you think that's one of the reasons why a lot of young goalkeepers have issues with following the flight of the ball or misreading the flight of the ball? because they want to jump on everything. They yeah. don't want to take their time and actually follow. Yeah, and it's that element of, you know, we see that in young kids today, that guessing and that kind of, you know, meaning you have to maintain your balance. You want, you know, you want to be patient. It's a great, it's a great way to explain it because it, like, like Karen said, there's so much movement with the ball today, um, depending on how it's struck um, and everything. And even at a younger age, there is, it's very unpredictable. So, you know, you want to hold yourself, you want to hold that set position, keep your eye on the ball. Um, I think balance is a big one for me because if that, if that, direction changes if you're not balanced properly you're not going to be able to shift your weight to make the adjustment if you're flat-footed if you're on your heels and everything so I think that that's um a big thing weight forward you know set position and everything so you can make that quick movement and make that adjustment yeah, yeah I mean a you lot know, of we've had a lot of discussion in in the past about you know um with a with the old goalkeeper who is at um, England a few years ago, old goalkeeper coach, sorry, um, Lee Kendall. And one of the things that, you know, he noticed about me was that I was so eager to kind of like be involved that sometimes I was taking myself out of the perfect position. So, you know, a lot of the things that we worked on was like, right, just be economical 
in your movements. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to, you know, constantly be going down the line or anything. If anything, you know, you can be deeper. You can just work the angles a bit more yeah. intelligently, you know, as opposed to kind of wanting to chase saves all the time. And just short adjustments. It doesn't have to be, you know, such great movements and everything. Just angles. Yeah, it's minimal, yeah. minimal movement. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's a really good point you're bringing up. And Karen, you're really, you're really good about that. And we, we always try to praise that with people in regards to when less is more sometimes. Less is more sometimes. And the, 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 the kind of just, no, in regards to just like, it's just a slight adjustment of movement rather than a full, full attack of the ball can really, really sometimes, especially when you're talking about the balls nowadays, like you were talking about literally like they're like, they, I mean, they might as well be like, you know, like, Dro- you know drone like like someone else is operating them it's insane i mean sometimes i see these balls i'm like dude how did that ball like bend like that that's in- how did that even happen like someone's clearly manipulating this game there's no way that's real um but like uh because then that way you can make that shift of your body right and i've seen you i've seen you do that before and if you're if like saskia says it's like if you're leaning one way well you can't you can't re- you can't move with the flight of the ball because you're already yeah, too, yeah. too over Right? You're already, and you're already behind a step. Exactly. Because now you're yeah. making the adjustment. You're making like a double adjustment in a sense. If you're if you're guessing leaning, now you have to adjust. So you're not, and then you have to go and react. So you, you know, like, I mean, the great thing. The great <laughs> thing is, is we can I can we can all put our goalkeeper nerd hats on and you know, just like talk talk about like the different approaches to different types of goalkeepers because <laughs> I think it's important to note that not every single goalkeeper is going to be exactly the same. And, you know, when you're working with other goalkeepers, um, it's important, you know, to obviously have fundamentals, but you can't really coach, you know, someone that's my height and someone that's five foot six the same way. Do you know what I mean? So um, we're going to have different strengths and and different weaknesses or vulnerabilities, but essentially um, the fundamentals will kind of be the same. And those are really just being effective in goal so and being efficient so um a lot of the stuff that that we work on is um footwork patterns in terms of okay well if you know high low medium what have you the Mm -hmm. football the footwork patterns stay relatively similar um regardless it's just the the detail in that final push off and the final step um that kind of changes and you know we're focusing on building momentum through the ball to kind of carry us through the ball. We're not trying to just get a fingertip on it. We want to catch or, you know, um, parry wide or, you know, whatever needs to happen, obviously. But we want to make sure that we're not just stopping dead um, oh, at the point of contact. And that, that, that you brought up a really good point right there. And actually Omar brought this up last week in regards to there was a coach actually in, in the UK who was talking about quality on the ball. And, and it really made me think about using that terminology of quality on the ball as opposed to, you know, handling the ball or whatever, because that type of thinking, especially for a young goalkeeper, because Saskia and I, we always talk about the literalization, how literal they take everything. So if you say <laughs> handle the ball they think they think handle the ball like literally i don't know what i'm doing with my hands here but this is clearly catching the ball. Me either. terrible terrible <laughs> technique I'm like don't drop the mic okay i'm just, just not even gonna try i'm not even gonna try but um but especially at, at your at your level it's really about making the right making proper contact for the situation right each save 
has to be taken in its own right, you know? So um, obviously it's not like a one fit all type solution. So, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, a, a, a slow collapse dive to the right, you know, essentially like the fundamentals that I mentioned about the footwork can still apply, but it's just the adjustment in terms of, okay, um, will it be a body save? Will it be, you know, extension? Will it be, it, you're trying to make it as easy as possible for yourself. So when you're talking about contact on the ball, like for me coming back from, from a pretty lengthy injury, that was what something that I'm kind of like, Oh, like this feels a bit weird. Um, so for instance, like maybe I'm too excited to kind of be back training and stuff. So sometimes I kind of like get a bit like snatchy or grabby with my hands. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads to, you know, a bobble or maybe I'm um, rotating, you know, a bit much with like my hips, which leads to the shoulder rotation, which changes the way that your hands actually reach the ball. Um, So for me, the focus has been on like trying to keep my move, keep my hands like moving together, but also soft. So I'm not, you know, having two moving components hit another moving component you know so you basically want to keep your hands soft and still and kind of let the ball like almost be cradled in your hands yeah i mean that's that's something that you know i i try to stress all the time in regards to the shock absorption and the cushioning of the ball because especially nowadays when you're talking about the movement of the ball and you know we're talking about these crazy types of balls it's really more about pocketing the ball and containing the ball into a space where you're going to be able to control it and make a good decision with the ball rather than trying to you know get a clean handle on the ball i mean Saskia can even attest for this just even at ucla training just the way that some of these young young ladies are hitting the ball just mm-hmm. there, there's there's no way that they can have a clean handle on it at first contact, right? Well, I don't just I don't necessarily care okay. that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm I playing think, devil's advocate here. I'm trying to, you know. <laughs> I think that, like, I think, but the point is, is that you're not catching the ball at. We change kind of topics, but you're not catching the ball at point of contact. You're following through with your energy. So you know, um, you know how am I getting two hands to the ball, following through with it, with my energy going through, and that'll help a corral, like a moving object and a moving object. If you try to hold something here, that's going to blow through it, right? So physics. So here, if I stop something here and this is moving, this is going to have the strength. But if I move my if I'm moving through something, as it's, I'm changing its direction, right? So you don't want to catch a ball at a point of contact. You want to follow through with your ball, and that helps you like corral that ball and hold it better. Trying to hold any object as it's coming at you and trying to like hold onto it in a stop motion um, makes it difficult, you know? Yeah. Or with too much excitement and then you bottle it. <laughs> from yeah. coming back from an injury. <laughs> I think, I I think just, it's I just got this picture of you like so excited to be back. <laughs> Running Honestly, around the 18 like crazy. <laughs> I'm like a big kid. I'm like a big kid when it comes to training. But no, it's been really good. But yeah, to your point, I think it's really important, you know, as the pace and as the movement increases, you know, you do want to get as much structure behind the ball as possible. So it's important that, you know, everything is moving in the same direction. So you've got your, you know, obviously your step, your knee, your shoulders, right. elbows, hands, head following through. So um, the more you can get behind it, the easier it is to kind of, like you said, absorb that force, Mike. So as I, I've got a question for you, Karen, uh, obviously playing at, a, at an extremely high level right now. 
is that because one of the things that I see a lot of a lot of young goalkeepers is they can't judge where they should make contact with the ball in, in regards to during the flight of the ball, at what point of the flight. And a lot of that is based on their positioning. A lot of times, you know, the, they try to make contact with the ball at after it's already risen rather than on its trajectory from the shot, trying to make contact before it gets to its peak position. Um, how, how can you, how can we help young goalkeepers? Wait, you're leaving with me? It? He's very You're going to hate. No, you're going to hate my answer. You're my answer is okay. save the damn ball, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay. you, you see the ball net. and you go and get it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I keep telling you that, Michael, to keep the ball on that. No, like, um, don't be so literal. I think I get what you're trying to say, but um, it's. I'm so glad like you do because I don't know what I'm getting. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm trying you know, to say. It's, it's 8 30 in the morning. I'm like, don't what? It sounds, it. Don't, don't blame the time. Like, come on. Don't, over, don't <laughs> yeah. overthink it, Michael. You're better than that. Um, <laughs> no, I think, like I said, like the 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 foundation is the same, you know, regardless of kind of where the ball is coming from, um, that you need to make sure that a, you have a clear path, like a clear line of sight to the ball. Then you're also, um, set and grounded, you know, as the ball is arriving. So like, obviously it's not always going to be in and around you. It's not always going to be, you know, Hey, can you just volley this? Like just straight at my face. So it's an easy <laughs> catch, you know, like you're going to have to adjust. And again, the main the main objective for us is to keep the ball out of the back of the net. So um, when you're, it's, it's kind of a bit more, it's a bit easier to discuss the flight of a ball, like from like maybe a set piece situation or, um, you know, corner or something like that, where there's a bit more time, a bit more loft and you have to kind of like make a bit more of a decision. Yeah. But um, when it's coming from a shot, like you don't have, the time to kind of think right well this is rising where do I want to you know get it if it's above or if it's underneath or anything like that you just want to make sure that you get something behind it to kind of change this direction so um yeah if you can if you can think something like that from the time it leaves a foot the time the you ball's know, probably in the, back in the face the then then well done you <laughs> if you have time to think something like that the ball's in the back of that mic this is, this, while you're this is still why contemplating whether I should have caught it while it was rising or dipping, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Well, I do. But I no, do but by the way, I just. <laughs> I do think there is like you know there are there are different ways to if you're looking at a dive, um, say you know if it's going to your left and the ball is rising and you've either taken too large a step or you've not been effective in your movement or your foot has opened up then potentially you could dive underneath the ball um, as opposed to rising as to where it is or where it's going to be. Um, so those, maybe that's kind of a little bit more about what you're inferring. Well, the, well, you know, the, the funniest, funniest thing about what I'm inferring is that I'm glad you guys have any idea what I'm inferring. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, Saskia Weber is executive director of LA Goalkeeping Academy is also available for sessions. You do not have to train with me uh, for anybody out there who's, who's, who's listening. Um, no, but uh, is that you brought up the, the rise and the, and the drop. And I think that might be one of the things I'm getting at. Because, like, for instance, if you look at yourself, right, like when you make saves and there's a ball that drops, the flight drops, you're very good at shifting your weight and dropping your nose and chin to that ball to follow that flight as, as it drops. I think that 
in regards to reading the flight is something that a lot of younger goalkeepers, especially a lot of younger goalkeepers who might be of, of, of a higher stature, taller stature, have difficulty with. First off, their starting position is way too high, in my opinion, a lot of the times. And second of all, is that they can't, they can't get that drop. They can't get that drop down. And how, how important is that head tilt to, to reading that flight for you? I think for me as a, as a taller goalkeeper, um, I noticed that my, my movements were less effective um, when, you know, my head was kind of like bobbing. Um, so that was something that I've consciously tried to work on a little bit more because essentially that helped me load, you know, uh, my balance through my feet. Um, so if, if my head's a bit more forward and my shoulders are a bit more forward, like I'm not talking about like collapsing your body, but, you know, just like an ever so slight lean puts the weight through the ball of your feet then you're kind of able to move a little bit better so that's something that um i noticed um even recently you know like, like i said just getting my eyes back in i noticed that um i was maybe a little too upright and then i started kind of doing that and then that sends the hands out a little bit so when you're a bit more forward you have you know a bit more relaxed posture in your shoulders your hands are able to move a bit more freely and typically they are kind of like at a higher reactive height um, or, or more normal type height. So um, I find it's a lot easier to kind of move them at the same time straight to the ball. Mm. Um, so that, that was really the biggest um, thing that I noticed was that if my, my head wasn't a bit more forward, um, uh, I started to kind of load through my heels and then obviously like my hands would kind of shoot out and they were very stiff um, mm -hmm. and I wasn't in control. So that was um, one of the things that if I felt like something wasn't feeling right, that was kind of one of the first things I would revert to. Like, am I, is my head forward? Yeah, I was just, I was just going through that in one of my sessions, one of my first sessions I've done in a while because of this craziness. Um, and I got, I don't know um, what you mean. <laughs> one of my young players, he's, you know, he's probably grown like six inches in a day. Um, but it's all that food, it's all that food they've been eating in quarantine, right? He's, he's falling into that habit. He was falling into that habit. Like he's, you know, because he's getting used to his height now and stuff where he's, his head's back and he's, he's kind of in that stiff position, catching the ball back. He ends, a ball here ends up on the balls of his feet and you know just reiterating number one his footwork and number two his you know lean forward um balance and everything and he it's it's apples and oranges the difference in controlling a shot when you have that proper body position your head forward and into the ball as opposed to you know that reaction in a sense so I have a question for both of you guys right here because one of the things that I've been doing um and by the way for people who are not familiar Karen has done goalkeeper coaching as well too she's not just a world-class player she's also a goalkeeper coach that's why she's perfect for this show right here um oh, i've been no no hey come on we got to give credit where credit's due right um i i have i what i've been do, doing is i'm actually over accentuating over exaggerating when i have a goalkeeper that has a tendency to to drop back like you're talking about karen over accentuate forward movement because as the pace of the ball comes in, they're going to end up in a they're going to end up in a more neutral position anyway. So I'm better off teaching them to stay too aggressively forward because they'll naturally find that 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 sweet spot. Do you, do you agree? Um, exaggerating it. Yeah. Either I one. think it's I think it's um, again I think it's going to be different for everyone yeah. um, based on you know their center of gravity, 
like for me I've got a very long torso and spine <laughs> so if that starts to sink then that affects like my movement in my hips and my knees so it's like okay I might I might be slightly higher in my set position than someone else but the most important thing is can they load um you know to be effective in their movement so um I don't think I think sometimes if you lean too forward you have you could potentially shrink in your posture um which could make it a little bit more difficult to move um you know obviously like laterally forward but then also backwards as well um so yeah i don't know it to me i want i would say it's a very very slight lean it, it shouldn't necessarily be something that's like super obvious maybe you just need to hit them in the face a few times to get them to understand <laughs> 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 See, it's a girl after my own heart. I was gonna yeah, say you, you and know, Saskia, like, you guys. <laughs> that's that's right. Figure it out. Savage. What are you savage doing wrong? Right. Figure it out. How many times can you hit the face? No, I just I think it's I think it's just important to like reiterate, you know, the fact that <laughs> your your hands and your head, you know, everything is is essentially meant to move as one, and everything has an effect um so it's kind of like reiterating the why but then also like when they get it right getting them to understand why it's right you know having them feel it again and again so they can determine on their own what's right and what's wrong i'm, I'm glad you just brought up that thing about everything is one because i was actually talking to a goalkeeper coach yesterday and i was trying to express to them because they were ask they were asking me and they're saying well like okay well which which bot which part of the body which part of the extremities do i want to start with in regards to when i'm teaching movement and I said the whole kinetic chain is connected. So they need to, you can't just work on one area and then just expect everything else to follow, follow suit. Um, speaking of that, I want to talk about set pieces because Karen, you brought that up earlier. And, and I think in regards to flight of the ball, I think this is one of the places where people have the most issues judging the flight of the ball is, is on set pieces. So can you kind of elaborate on what you were talking about right there? Um, do you mean in terms of moving towards the ball or in terms of just mm -hmm. reading the trajectory of, of reading the trajectory of the ball? Okay. Um, so yeah, I think again, everything that I've learned over the years comes down to patience. Um, and again, like being economical in the goal. So, um, understanding that, you know, you don't need to have happy feet. You don't need to be, you know, trying to find your perfect start position. You're like, look, just plonk yourself in the middle of the goal. And then when, <laughs> when the ball gets delivered, like be patient, read the flight of the ball and attack it um, as late, as fast and as hard as you can. Um, and and that, that, that for me is, is the kicker. You know, a lot of people get so eager to go and, you know, like pluck a ball um, off the head of a, an attacker that sometimes they kind of step backwards or they come too forward or and then they're chasing the ball almost backwards into the net mm -hmm. or you know they're they've started too far behind so then they're you know having trouble at the near post so essentially you're you're relying on the the fact that you have the ability to use your hands <laughs> you know um to to read the flight of the ball understand that if it's lofted if it's right footed left footed depending on where it's coming from that could also have an effect on your start position so if it's in swinging out swinging it's a driven ball um you know even the traffic around you can mm. have an effect on your start position and your decision making um but for me it's again just trying to keep it as simple as possible trying to make sure that for me take the ball at the highest point you can um have a, a slight 
bend in the elbows. Obviously, you don't want to be fully straight because that doesn't help absorb any sort of shock. But then also that you want to make sure that you're traveling through the ball as well. Um, that sets you up nicely for the opportunity of a counter as well. Yeah, and I think we've talked about that, Mike, and it's, you know, exactly it. Be patient, especially on that flighted ball or that service. Um, and then, you know, so like we had said, Tony's thing was leave late, like arrive early and follow through. You know, if you come in too early, you're going up with the, with, with the crowd. If, um, or you, you know, for especially younger kids all over run it, or like you, like you said, I love your like visuals, or you're just running around chasing the ball. <laughs> like I get these like cartoon visuals in my head of like this little kid running around trying to catch a ball in the box. That's I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but yes, and so be patient, keep it as simple as possible, get the right track to the ball, but come through strong so you clear any traffic and get the ball at its highest point. And I totally agree. When you're, if you're catching that ball and you're catching it, straight arm back it's, it might be a high point but it, there's no absorption there and you're throwing your body off so you come through with bended arms and then you get the quick counter and then it's cool yeah. obviously yeah <laughs> and then it's cool then i there's so many details though that go into it even like your starting position in your body angle and things like that you know like you don't want to be square you don't want to be open you want to be about three quarters Mm -hmm. um you know you want to make sure that again it's it's the line of interception of your movement towards the ball like you don't want to be coming directly underneath it um and even you know if even if it is slightly over hit or you do slightly misjudge it you know you can use the momentum of the ball mm -hmm. to take you with it essentially as well so it just depends and then you've got the whole game management piece after that you know <laughs> Were you winning? Are you losing? Is it nearly over? Are you trying to counter? You know, do you want to sit on the floor for a bit? See, now you, you now you got the tactics coming in. You've got now. I feel like I'm listening to like a Tim Dittmer like FA defending the areas type Ames presentation or something. He's brilliant. I love Tim. Tim is incredible. And by the way, yeah, and he's, he's he, uh, he was speaking. So he was speaking when we said that you were coming on the show. He's like he's like she's absolutely fantastic like she's the mm -hmm. one of the most intelligent and yada 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 so he, he was no, uh, she couldn't even figure out some of your questions <laughs> <laughs> that's why she's intelligent that's why she's brilliant because <laughs> i don't know what i'm well, saying shout, shout out to mace as well you know he's been great for us oh as mace well. like the whole the whole new um fa new school type thing has just been really really interesting to kind of work with because a lot of it is you know challenging what you're preconceptions are of goalkeeping what you think you should be doing and a lot of it's kind of like okay well what do you think about this and you're like well I'm used to people telling me whether I'm right or I'm wrong or you know like now it's kind of subjective let's have a debate you know so it's kind of like all right cool and I think you yeah. touched on that though we've been talking about that for forever it's, it's such a gray area it's not you know it, it, every goalkeeper's different heights speed you know so are your positioning is going to be different the way you attack the ball it's not this is the right way this is the wrong way period but i like i love what you said <laughs> but this is how you do it <laughs> no but i was gonna say but i love but unless i'm telling you but i love um i love the footwork part because that's something yeah. that's consistent and it's, um, key. it's key that's it's regardless like it's yeah so i like that well no that, that's we actually really the show michael can <laughs> you guys should just have an off. You guys should just have an offshoot show. So, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> there we go. There we. There we go. Um, I want to. I want to bring this <laughs> right there. That was, that was the timing is just perfect right there. 
because Karen, that's actually something that, that, that you're really good at. And I try to stress this in regards to following the flight of the ball and reading that flight of the ball is that your feet get you to the ball. And so many young goalkeepers want to, want to drop and they want to, and they want to push off when they don't need to yet. And one of the things that's really good about you with free kicks, we're talking about set pieces is that you follow all the way through until you get to the position where you have to, where you have to shoot your body. If the angle is such that you have to shoot your body. Um, can you kind of stress why, why that's so important for you to, to take that extra step where you might think, okay, well, I'm not going to get there unless I push off, but I do have one more step in me. Yeah. I think, again, this is one of the things that's just been trained into me over the years. Um, and it wasn't always there. You know, I have to say that, I started ages ago and it was very old school, one step push as far as you can and just see where it takes you. But um, <laughs> with the integration of, of, yeah, Sasha, you know what I mean. Um, and when you used to practice flying over like five people bent over, just like, oh, wait, yeah. wait, no, like why don't you just take, why don't you just take an extra step? <laughs> wait, oh, wait oh, you had yeah. five people bent over and you oh, yeah, jump you just like, they're like yeah. bent like this, power diving. I'm like, what? I don't even teach power diving. What are you guys like, like a dare, dare? It's like a daredevil competition. Like, but I'm like, it's it? like get there, get there. Why? Why do? I, why are? That's where it came in. You're totally right. It's like old school. It's like one step and go. It's like you know what? Get some fast feet and get there. Like, make so, it easy. So it was. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, because like obviously I've had to kind of change that and like reintegrate just footwork patterns into my movement. And so fortunately, I did have kind of a foundation of that power. Um, at the very end. So like now with the advent of decent footwork, I wouldn't say it's great. It's certainly not <laughs> ballet material, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's allowed me to cover a lot more ground more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, and it's allowed me to, the biggest thing is, is really that being able to extend and the full extension going from two hands to one and kind of really just being able to uh, drag every single centimeter you know out of your coverage um so that for me was you know I, I i'm trying to think of the best example it's probably the the one from japan in the in the world cup where it was like okay it's a range where they could play in a set piece um, i'm sorry a, a wide free kick type thing so you don't know if it's going to be a direct shot on goal but obviously you need to defend the goal because that's your main priority <laughs> Um, but you also have to put yourself in a position where you can come and take across as well and dominate your area. So it's like being brave, keeping a relatively high line, but then also putting yourself in a position where you can move forward and backward in one go. And so as soon as you realize that the tar the, 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 the shot is going to be on target and, you know, it was, uh, it was moving. Um, it, it was just like a drop step mm -hmm. shuffle, get your, get yourself across the goal as fast as you can. And as soon as you, realize that you need to push just essentially like throw yourself out there as much as possible because yeah it, it moved it split the wall like there was just all sorts of things that the, the, the great the greatest thing though if I reflect on that was none of that I, I wasn't cognitively thinking about mm -hmm. any of that in the moment you know it was like right um you know okay this is what's happening you have to go and get the ball and that's exactly. pretty much it <laughs> no, but no, but you're right. And that's why the footwork and everything in the training, it is like dancing in a set, in a sense. And it's has to become second nature when you're not thinking about it. You're not, you're, this is how you've been trained to move your feet, to cover the space, to get there um, and go. And, you know, 
I'm just sitting here right now. I can't get over remembering how many stupid power diving drills I used to do. <laughs> so did that did that answer your question? No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, one of the, one of the really cool things about what you're talking about right there um, is just, is like unconscious correct analysis because like I've been taking this like mindset course because I'm nerdy like that. And uh, in it, they're just describing different phases, right? And like, you know, like that third phase is like, you're making unconscious correct analysis as opposed to conscious correct analysis because like you're talking about like, yeah, but that's the thing. That's the stage where a lot of goal, young goalkeepers are in is where, you know, they're thinking about what is the proper decision at the time rather than just they're so instinctual that it's already ingrained in them and they can mm-hmm. read it right away, mm-hmm. you know? And Cause like, I think, I think it's kick. important though, when, when you work, when you work with these kids though, making sure that they understand that that's part mm-hmm. of the journey. You know, like, I think what you're talking about is conscious and unconscious competence. Um, and I, I am my own worst critic. And I know that, you know, when I'm working on something in training and if it doesn't kind of like meet my own expectations or standards, I can really kind of get annoyed with myself. But then I realize, you know, oh, I've been working on this for a week and it doesn't feel right. Something's not right. And then it's just kind of like one moment where you just, just tweak something, maybe the coach or the manager has seen something or you've looked at something on analysis and then suddenly you're like, Oh, wow. You know, it's all just clicked and you've had this like major epiphany and then everything's just easy. And you're like, I need to just not think about this. (laughs) This, Yeah. It's, it's such a nice feeling. It really is. Cause then your mind is just clear and you're in the moment. I mean, there's there's nothing better when it just clicks. There's nothing better than when it just clicks and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, and I, I I mean, I think a lot of it is, is, in regards to when we're talking about, you know, following through with that, that flight, I think a lot of it is mental and how we're training these, these young goalkeepers to act in, within the situation. And I think a lot of goalkeeper training I've seen in the past, it's like, okay, you've gotten there, you've made contact, you've done your job rather than thinking all the way through the game, like from a full, like you were talking about the game standpoint, Karen, you know, it's like, okay, now I've made, okay, now I've played it. My, my next thought is where's the counter? you know, as opposed to like, cool, I've done my job, you know? And Saskia, mm-hmm. I know you, you talk about this over and over and over again with your goalkeepers. Like, just because you made the play doesn't mean that it's over. No, absolutely not. And you're also the first pass on attack, you know? Then you have to keep that in mind. You know, you're last person on defense, first pass on attack. Well, hopefully last person. Um, and, but do one thing at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself. And we talk about that all the time as well, you know? Be, be in the moment where you are, understand the game, understand what's needed, under, have your gamesmanship, know that you're supposed to be wasting time, know all that. But when you're involved in the save and everything, be involved in that moment. Don't think ahead. Then, you know, it's in steps. I mean, it's not like don't take an hour to think about it afterwards, but, you know, it's in, it's in short steps like that. Because we always say, you know, it's like I use that analogy that's like a wide receiver going down for a pass that's thinking – about what happens after the catch and then they end up dropping an easy catch um like the hair and so we just <laughs> oh trust me we're, we're oh we're not we're not oh. nice. we're not nice sometimes here hang on a minute i thought this is a goalkeeper union it is a goalkeeper union but you know he was thinking I didn't, I, i'm not saying i'm not saying oh don't even try it i'm not saying i'm not Savage. saying a word right yeah i'm, I'm not, not saying I'm, a, I'm always oh. one, i'm the one that's always getting in trouble 
Oh my gosh. I, oh, I was yeah. I was behind him last. I was lifting him up. I just thought, you know, he was ahead. He was, I don't know where he was the other week. Um, <laughs> so. he, had good, he had good final performances for uh for the team. Yeah. I mean, Karen, you're supposed to support blues. Like, I mean, so I, I know you you can't say a word either either way right here. You're goalkeeper union. You're goalkeeper union, but you gotta be biased towards towards the blue right there. So. Uh, you know, football is the winner, isn't it? <laughs> wow what a, what a pc answer no, <laughs> I'm, so, um, I'm so the opinionated um <laughs> i know i'm opinionated but i it's don't have a position to, to say things at the moment oh god no. thank god they do not, thank god they don't have that much video of me trust me trust me you can just rip oh, me apart i'm sure there's gotta there's gotta be someone who's got some great uh some it's great job. i told you you gotta get the little film thing no on. there's there's some people <laughs> We've had we've had even some players on uh, found some WUSA footage of you and all that. So, oh, that's right. You were at the charge, weren't you? I was for a year, and then I um I worked out a trade to New York, so I ended with uh, New York. We was it the first season of the WSA? Yeah, I was one of the charge. I was one of the founding members. Yeah, that's awesome. So, did you play with Kelly Smith then? Absolutely. Uh, dude, I remember this. You're gonna you're gonna get a kick out of this. We'll make you one <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. Um, so I was playing for the SoCal Blues, like I think I was about 15, and and you guys had your preseason camp down at the ranch. Uh huh. And I remember watching. I can't remember who you were playing. You might have been playing like the the Lady Blues, like the the senior team, the adult yeah. team. Um, and I remember watching it, going, "Oh my gosh! Like these are gonna be professionals. Like we're gonna see them on TV we were doing and all this." And I was like, "I want to do this one day." And I'll, you that's know, awesome. I was like fifteen, and I was like, "No, stop. So okay, I, I get thought, it. You were fifteen. I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> right? We got it. Hang on a minute. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. I'm in the same boat now. I've got kids. I'm like you're half my age. Yeah. Yeah. We were there for a month. We were there for that preseason. Yeah. We were there forever. Um, so yes, I was on the charge for that first season, and then finished finished with New York. But Kelly, it's just absolutely incredible. And I think we, people have asked me like, "Who's that like one player that you just would always score on you, and that you just like just <laughs> add your number?" And it was Kelly. It was yeah. oh, I just could not say not defend against you. <laughs> She's got that remarkable ability to just make you look very silly, like whenever she wants. Uh-huh. And whether it was in practice or then playing against her, yeah. um, when I played for New York, it was just like, that girl's got my number, man. <laughs> what a great player. You were, so you were, you were, you were at that, uh, the powerhouse uh, SoCal Blues teams, those, uh, those youth teams in the um, early, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, right? That's right, yeah. That's right. I was with, um, I was with the Celtic back in the day from like 98 I think to 99 and then I left to go to the Blues um in 2000 and then I finished the club career there and then I went to Fullerton after that so wow. it was crazy it was great you know um obviously we always played against the Blues you know with Tad, Hugh, Larry um and yeah when I got the opportunity to go um it was just great I just loved it I loved the philosophy I loved the way they did things and the uniforms pretty pretty snazzy oh obviously uniforms. yeah obviously they were amazing you know it's funny is i still got one at home i think the last last christmas when i went home i actually found one and i was like oh this is such a cool shirt <laughs> it's absolutely amazing i uh 
I, I wanted I want to talk about this as, as much as I wanted to uh, reminisce about because uh, we could just start talking WPSL too. We could talk like you know Ajax, and then we could talk oh, you know, yeah. W League wow. Pally. Oh my gosh, that that Pally Blues team was ridiculous. Like though, people don't understand that Ajax <laughs> team and that Pally Blues team could play in the NWSL. Could play in the NWSL Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely, yeah. No, I love I love my time with Ajax. It was amazing. My time with Pally, like I didn't get as much playing time as I wanted, but like the overall experience was just incredible. Like I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what I liked and what I didn't like, and it's all really valuable experience at the end of the day. But yeah, it's incredible talent. Absolutely incredible talent. So Karen, I actually came out there and trained with you guys with the Pally Blues, and I like within oh, the first no. five. Oh my gosh! Within the first five minutes, I was like, "Oh, this is this level. I am not ready for this level at all right now." I got the call like the Honestly. night before. They're like, "Hey, we need an extra keeper. Do you want to come out?" And like, I came out, and it was like, um, it was like at some like some dude's house up in the hills or something like that. It was like this like. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Do you know we? what I'm talking about? It was um. You were on um. Wait for the end. It was a, for, it was the Platinum Equities guy. Yeah. It, you were in Beverly Hills. Yes. You yeah. Were, you were yep. off of um. My friend owns oh my the house gosh. next door to that. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh my that's gosh. So that's funny. My, he's like one of my best friends. Ron, Ron Burkle's one of my best friends and he owns a house next door to that. And I always tease him when I'm at his house because that house has that field in the back. And I'm like, yeah. oh, dude. And Karina used to always be like, oh, you know, field in the back. I, don't know. I was like, man, that's awesome. Like, yeah, no, there's been some, I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> only in LA, honestly. Like, totally. Like, oh. <laughs> I was just talking about that house the other day because you know it's like impossible to find a field here to train on right now. And I was like, so God, funny. I wish I had that house. Well, there was a point when we um I think who was it? I can't remember. Um we ended up doing like a couple like five aside tournaments up at like Robbie Williams place. Oh, I played I played up I played up there too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, the converted the converted tennis court? The converted <laughs> tennis court that yeah. It was yeah. fantastic. I was like, this is uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> did you did you ever play at Rod Stewart's house? No, no, no. Oh, the Celt that. the Celtic Field of Dreams? You know, yeah, I never no, never got to. So funny. Oh, oh, my, oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> That's so funny. These are these but are things that by the way are so inside. Nobody on the who's listening to the show unless they live no, in the Green LA. Acres is the name of the road. That house is off. Oh <laughs> of course my it is. Gosh. No, because it's the name of the estate, my friend's estate. No, I get it, but yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's named Green Acres. Acres. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I was just talking about it. It's so funny. All right, reel it in, reel it in, Mike. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I would like, that's why I was... No, so I was telling your your your, your comms people that uh, that we just go all over the place. We uh, we definitely go oh, on tangents. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like, she's like, can can you send a rundown of what you guys are going to talk about? I'm like, well, we'll end up not talking about that, but sure. Here you go. Um, <laughs> I wanna I wanna rein it in, and I wanna talk about like a lot of young goalkeepers because a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there try to express to young goalkeepers what they should look at when they're following the flight of the ball. Karen, in your opinion, is there a specific point of the ball that you look at uh, when trying to read that flight, or is it just kind of more just kind of just the nebulous space of the ball? <laughs> Mike. Again, I'm trying here, man. It's, I'm waking up still. <laughs> I'm using that. The nebulous, the nebulous <laughs> space. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what I look for, the nebulous space. Um, you know, the ball, the ball. <laughs> The football there, mate. The football. Don't do the accidents. <laughs> uh, um, 
yeah no I, I it's not a it's not a singular point I don't think um obviously like the, the balls just look so different these days as well so you know they, they always put some kind of weird design on it so there's a different kind of spin or you know it, it's just it's it's nothing you just go and get the round thing that's coming towards you, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? catch, catch the big dot <laughs> it's, it's, I wish I wish I had like a, no 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 but the more thing is succinct that, answer for you but, but no but I, the thing is the thing is I'm I think but I think this is really constructive here too because again a lot of people try to make too much out of something and they try to read too much into something and like like Saskia was saying it's like you're overanalyzing it like in regard to like well at what point in the rise do you want to make contact with the ball and stuff like that and you're like all right this poor this poor kid I you know it's, it's gonna leave the session just thinking it was a math equation like this is not a yeah this is not not gonna work out for them I, um, I think at the end of the day like football like especially goalkeeping it's just it's geometry isn't it it's just angles so you think you know you're working with a spherical object if you want to get something to move a different direction like like Sasha said it, it's it's physics it's geometry so mm -hmm. you just want to try and get as much surface area behind the ball as possible. And if you want it to go far away, you need to have a non-moving object hit a moving object. You know, and make it ideally, as simple as possible. Ideally in the situation. middle of the ball. So yeah, it's, um, I feel like a lot of people are really trying to like reinvent the wheel, but it's, it's literally just taking things at work, things that, you know, from different sports or different variations of the game. And then, seeing what situations it fits in and seeing if it works or if it doesn't. And I think that's, that's pretty fun about what's happening in goalkeeping at the minute. Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking a lot of things from, you know, you've got Peter Schmeichel that adopted handball um, and implemented it into his game. And then you've got the futsal movement. Um, mm -hmm. You've got ice hockey, like those different types of, of movements that are starting to um, evolve as the game's evolving. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. And, uh, you know, actually, it was funny. I was bringing this up yesterday in regards to a, a goalkeeper coach. Actually, it was Omar. I'm just going to put him out, put him on blast on the show. It was Omar. <laughs> it was Omar. And he was discussing um, basketball and Steph Curry's positioning in a triple threat and how he's getting lined up was very similar to how a goalkeeper in, in his movement or her movement has to get in, into a position and a starting set, good set position uh, before the shot is hit in order to be able to be able to react to any sort of direction. Um, something we haven't talked about yet in regards to reading the flight of the ball is obstructed view, which is something at your level, you know, in Saskia's level that is more commonplace than, than actually being able to see the ball. So how, how do you handle that in regards to losing sight of the ball as the ball is hit? Because then it's, it's going through 17,000 people before it finally gets to you. Um, so how, how, do you, how do you adjust to that? Again, I think the, the fundamental principles still apply, you know, in terms of like getting set early, being balanced, and then being patient. So, um, you know, obviously if you, you can get an idea of where the ball is, um, you know, as it's about to leave one's foot. But yeah, you're right. It could take a deflection. You might not see it, you know, so... These are the types of things that we practice, like unsighted. Um, you know, we practice with, you know, if working with lads, like usually their back lift is pretty, sh pretty short, you know, so it'll be a quick release. Um, and just like, yeah, I mean, there's things that I, I'm sure Sasha and I, I did when we were younger, like where we just have people run around in front of us or have like objects kind of in the way that would mm -hmm. change the trajectory of the ball. So. Um, 
for me, it, again, it was just kind of a reliance on your instincts that you have to trust. Um, but essentially that principle of being balanced and being patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that is really the thing is the patience, the patience thing. Um, because if you, obviously if you lose the ball, like, and you jump too early, well, now you're really stuck in a bad situation. Um, as we start wrapping up right here, uh, you two, um, does anybody here have some advice for some, some good sessions or activities, um, that, you know, uh, newer goalkeeper coaches can can do with uh with their younger goalkeepers to to work on on this type of a situation karen you want to put your coaching hat on yeah i'm gonna have to find it first but (laughs) um i think a lot of it is going to be making sure that the situations that you are trying to train are game specific situations You know, like there's so many times like in the past where, you know, you see <laughs> there's just cones everywhere and it looks like you're <laughs> at an airport, you know, and there's just a plane coming into land and you're like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah. how is this relevant? You know, like you need to make sure that it's relevant to a situation or a circumstance that they're, they're probably going to come across. And don't get me wrong, there's like, there's just place and time for, you know, the fitness aspects and things mm-hmm. like that. But, it, you know, you need to understand that the more exposure that these kids get to, game realistic situations is, is what's going to probably benefit them the most. Um, so I think it was just like really breaking down the fundamentals, you know, so whether it be start position, um, you know, if you're starting in the center of the goal as a goalkeeper and even just a simple service from a cutback position or a slightly wider position, maybe around 12 yards out towards the corner of the 18 or something like that, just vary the flight of the ball, um, you know, whether it's more flat, whether it's higher, um, understanding what things feel like. So if you're coming up straight underneath the ball or if you're going back too soon or if you're coming too forward um, and then just working on like the basic fundamentals. So again, we're talking about being balanced, having the correct starting position. So if you're three quarters of the way open, you can move forward, backwards, mm-hmm. laterally, what have you um, and understanding <clears throat> what good feels like and kind of just start there. It's yeah. anything you want, you want to add on. <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like we just figured out goalkeeping, guys. We did it. We did it. <laughs> no, we did it. I, I, you know, I totally agree. Try to make it as game like you know. You know, obviously there's a time and place for building. Um, get your footwork in. Um, you know, obviously we've gone over the importance of that, but it's repetition and game like. I mean, you want to build your your players up to if you're doing crosses, they're 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 not just like plucking the same ball out of the air, boom, 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 like start developing that into that there is pressure. There are kids running around in front of them, but like with a purpose, you know, and um, yeah, game-like, you know, put them under that pressure because no two saves are going to be the same. Um, Decisions, you know, you have to see it to, to, I just keep going back to the same thing, to balance and footwork and, and understand and having it become second nature. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important um, to, to make sure that people understand that, you know, it's not always, it's not prescribed, mm-hmm. you know, so it, a floated, a lofted ball could be from a deflection that you need to go and, you know, clear lines, you know, you need to go and come over a few people because like it's just come off a defender's foot and it's just like hanging in the air, you know, and that's about judging, being patient, letting mm-hmm. it kind of come down to a point where you can actually reach it at its highest point, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I like, there are times and places for um, like really breaking down specific skills and things like that. But 
overall at the end of the day, I think as a coach, you have to be really certain on what the outcome is that you want to achieve. You know, um, and uh, we're going to wrap up right here, guys, because I know Saskia, you've got obviously got that meeting and Karen has a life that she needs to, needs to live. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. no I'm I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like, I didn't mean it like that. No, <laughs> um, no but uh, I want, I want to say, you know, one of the things that I really, and I appreciate, you know, um, you know, shout out to the FA, you know, in regards to, you know, a lot of the connections that they've, they've been making for the show and everything like that. But, you know, Tim and Mark and Terry and everybody at the FA, they've really been doing a great job of creating these thinking goalkeepers by, you know, it's really about like problem solving and teaching the, the autonomy in these goalkeepers. Like you were saying, Karen, in the past, you know, people telling you what's, what to do as opposed to allowing you to figure it out because in the game you're going to have to figure it out and there's not going to mm-hmm. be a right or wrong answer there's just going to be a decision that you have to live with and, and you have to make the best decision based on based on what's going on uh in the game um Karen, now before before we go um first off you know i appreciate the fact that you know i know you you, you were crazy because you were like so sorry for ghosting you i've just been a little busy i'm like yeah i think that's okay dick don't don't worry about that <laughs> I think you got a lot. I think you got a lot going on, you know, <laughs> you know, figuring out when you guys were going to start training and on all that sort of stuff. But I appreciate you, you taking the time. If any, um, you know, if anybody out there wants to reach out to you, where's the best social media for people to, uh, to connect with you? I think Instagram's probably my favorite, to be honest. So it's <clears throat> at KL Bardsley, um, uh, Instagram and same on Twitter. Um, but I don't really check Twitter that much. I just kind of post stuff and leave it in the ether. <laughs> See, okay. see, see, and you were giving me crap about not checking my. Twitter. Well, now you're on. Now you're on Twitter, Josh. I, I, ta- I tagged you on the Karen post. I just haven't paid attention to. It. I didn't even have. A, I didn't even have the app pulled down on my phone. <laughs> I knew I had it. I just didn't use it. Um, Hopefully, there'll could, be a few things that start to change along the way. I'm, I'm working with a new agent, so it's getting his contact details and things like that. So that should be easier going forward, and hopefully, a website in in oh, in the near fancy. future. So, oh, well, that's <laughs> yeah, you know, big <laughs> time. And remember, guys, you can reach out to Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber on both Instagram and and uh, Twitter. <laughs> uh, Contact at inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion, uh, shout out to uh, all the people who recommended that we needed to have Karen on the show. I was already on top of that, but she had ghosted me. So I needed to follow up on that. No, I'm totally, totally <laughs> kidding on that. Totally kidding on that one right there. It's all right. Rip, rib away. It's fine. <laughs> <Do it. laughs> um, at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms. Honestly, Karen, this has been absolutely, I mean, such, such a delight. Um, you know, I mean, best of luck with everything that's going on, you know, over there. I'm glad you guys are getting back at it, you know, at the training, Shoot, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, we're really looking forward and like, you know, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be more like cross intercontinental competition, man. Like we need to need to get teams like Man City over here more often. So, you know, so the, I the, know, I know. Yeah. It's, Hopefully in the pipeline, those things will start happening, obviously, with that preseason tournament. But uh, with the state of everything at the moment, you can see why that would probably be on hold. (laughs) um, It's great to see things happening, though, like particularly, Sasha, with the the Angel City shirt you've got on there. Um, You know, I'm I'm so, so excited to finally see something happen again in L.A. And obviously with, 
you know, the backing that it has. And I'm just hoping that, you know, we get it right this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. It's, I think Very it's cool. the right time. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Well, good. the advent of, you know, um, the world cup and everything as well, you've got plenty of time to prepare with, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the infrastructure anyway so <laughs> Saskia's going to be on those sidelines that first day just making sure that those goalkeepers those goalkeepers just keep the ball out of the net I am not I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in the owner's box with a cocktail I'm going to be on the sideline no just kidding are you guys going to have no, a big enough are, are you going to micromanage anything <laughs> are you are, are you are you guys going to have a big enough owner's box for all of you guys it's, a good it's, question, like a par- it's like a party for all of you oh, yeah, it's like <laughs> we can't bring anybody <laughs> all right oh, guys no, but it was it was brilliant so thank you so much for having me guys it was really lovely speaking to you both for sure for sure that's all the time on inside the 18 guys and we are out Hey, Insiders, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to please keep rating and reviewing on iTunes. Literally takes 10 seconds and helps us out tremendously. Plus, we will follow you back, and we may read your review on air. Just leave your social media handle in the body. It's just that easy. Thanks for all your support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as ProGK Academy underscore on Instagram and just ProGK Academy on YouTube, the one and only Omar Zini. And joining us today, because it's about that time that we start talking about proper sessions, guys. We've got the, I hope I can say this title properly. Actually, you know what? We're just going to go with director of goalkeeping for San Diego Surf and goalkeeper coach with the U17 women's national team, Louie Hunt. Louie, man, it's been a while. This is awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad we finally finally got you on. It only took you 17 reviews on iTunes to finally get a, an invitation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I appreciate you having me on. E- hey, even the fact that we've done a course together years ago and I still didn't get the, the call up earlier. <laughs> Well, you know, what's so funny is because I was talking to Omar, I think, what was it, a couple weeks ago? And I was like, hey, you know who we really need to have on the show? Louis Hunt. And he's like, I was just about to say that. So, <laughs> it so was. We it was actually like we were. I mean, I've, I've seen Louis on, on social media a lot and on, especially on Twitter. So it's been a uh, I've seen his name swirl around a bunch and I've done my research as well. And it's a pleasure to have you on, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've said this before a bunch of times. I think you guys do the best job out there for getting the access to the goalkeepers and and the stuff you talk about, the people that you have on. So pleasure to be on. Yeah. And Omar's got the best green screens in the world. I mean, like he just had what the polar express, the Northern lights going on back there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I tried to put Aston Villa, but it, it, it sent me that, that polar express. I don't know. But anyways, now I'm, we're back in live. Everything is back to normal. <laughs> this looks, uh, this looks <laughs> solid. Oh, do we got, we got the full line in the background too. Is that what's going on? We do. Yeah. The oh, full, wow. the full badge. 
Man, that full, full badge. Well, I mean, what we're trying to do right now is actually we're just trying to uh, brand uh, Austin Villa as much as possible in the United States so that Louis basically is able to convince all of uh, the Villa administration, uh, everybody out there, that there's such a support fan base in the United States. They need to pour all this massive money into the club uh, to make it one of the top clubs once again. Uh, in the That's Premier it. League. They, they, they need to find the next Christian Pulisic and get him drafted into Villa. Hey, dude, I, you know, you could uh, definitely, I mean, you guys have, um, what's his face right now? You guys have Indiana Vasilev from, um, from the US. Yeah, yeah, Villa have actually got a good little connection with uh, America, American goalkeepers. We had Brad Friedel for a while when we were good. Um, Guzan was there. Aaron Hyde, who I think you were chatting to last week, the uh, the men's goalkeeper coach, is a, is a Villa fan as well. So, we're, we're sneaking our way into the, into the infrastructure here. It was so funny. When we were having him on last week, I didn't even think about to ask him what was it like working with Brad Guzon after being a Villa supporter like your entire life. And then all of a sudden the Villa keeper comes in and now you're training them. Like that's got to be kind of a surreal experience. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be in trouble if I was in his situation because I think I'd probably just turn into a bit of a fanboy and want to know all the secrets from behind the, <laughs> all the stories from behind the scenes. <laughs> Well, dude, let's, uh, let, let's, uh, let's get right into this, guy. So the reason we have Louie on today is because uh, this is a topic that's been kind of coming into the uh, forefront with a lot of people out there. They've been kind of asking, like, okay, how do I run a session now? Like now, the post-COVID era, um, and by post-COVID, I don't mean that COVID's over. I don't want anyone to think that way, but I mean it. Now that people are starting to get back to training, how can we do this safely, effectively? And Louie and I, we were actually communicating uh, about a week ago, and you started mentioning how you were kind of doing things at SURF, and I was like, dude, we should here's an excuse. Here's a perfect excuse to get you on the show to talk about what you guys are doing there. So um, first off, Louie, why don't you just explain to the audience that there may be like some parents um, or some kids who might not know the terminology. What do we mean by a proper session? Uh, well, I think, especially for right now, you, you've, you've got to go into um, what the kids are doing at home before you get into what's going to happen when they come back out to a training session um, for a, depending on where each club are at, the different stages that of where they're at upon their return, whether they've been already back, they haven't been back at all. They've just been doing the at home stuff. I think you got to kind of take a step back and talk about what they've been doing at home first, because that's going to dictate and lead what that proper session looks like. Um, I think for the field players, it probably hasn't been terrible because they've got to do, lots of little different technical things with their feet. Um, obviously, from a goalkeeping point of view, you can do that as well at home, but the dribbling aspect of it and the skills and the twists and the turns maybe aren't as effective. Um, so I think with regards to a proper session, as you're entering back, it's going to determine on what kind of state your players are at from a fitness point of view, how much they've been doing at home. Um, and then, I mean, that's going to lead into a whole different bunch of different questions that I think we'll probably get onto. But the, the biggest thing is going to be just easing the kids into it. If you throw the kids straight back into a high-intensity session that you might do on a Wednesday in the middle of the season, it ain't going to work. You've got to ease the kids back into it, um, strip things right down from the goalkeeper movements point of view, from a technical point of view, and just slowly, slowly build from there. You know, what's interesting is yesterday I just did a session with, um, with a collegiate goalkeeper, D1 goalkeeper. And uh, one of the things that I recognized is just the lack of game fitness there was 
there uh, in that session. No disrespect to that goalkeeper. Great goalkeeper. Very high-level goalkeeper. But you could see the difference in regards to understanding the game was still there, but it's just that, that extra sharpness of making everything game realistic. And Omar, I know you've been really, really big on this when you've been getting goalkeepers coming back who haven't been in a game environment at all. And how have you been kind of easing that transition like Louie's talking about? Uh, honestly, I definitely have made the, my, my mistakes early on in the COVID uh, situation where I you know, came back into my sessions with all these webinar notes, all this idea of I want to be this revolutionary you know, idealist when I do my sessions. I wanted to be game realistic from the start. Every single kick that I have, I want it to be game-like. And that unfortunately, you know, like Louis said, maybe mid-season on a Wednesday, that makes sense. But when you have goalkeepers who haven't touched the ball, their hand-eye coordination is off. Pretty much any volley you hit at their face, they're flinching. Their eyes are squinting, just like we do when we come back from vacation, or at least when I used to play, came back from vacation. I needed probably three or four sessions to get myself back up to speed. So I was trying to do way too much too, uh, too early. And every time the session would be over, I would text the, the, the older kids, especially, and I would say, hey, guys, like, how was the session? What did you think? And the majority of the, the answers were, you know, I love the early part of the session. Where we were working on the bubble. I love that because I think I needed that to get my, like you said, my, my, uh, like match fitness, but it's more so goalkeeper fitness. And I know all of us know what that means. It's just making sure that hand-eye coordination, we're trusting our hands a little bit more. We have more muscle memory and stability in our legs because we've done it week in and week out. And unfortunately, I was trying to do too much too soon. Um, but I had a session yesterday and I will gladly say that I stuck more to the bubble, probably like 70% of the session was bubble and, you know, short movements and recovery movements. And the kids, they responded saying they loved it because it allowed them to, uh, I guess, build a rhythm again. And I think that's what we need coming out of this whole situation. You know, but, but my, my, my question for you guys, both of you here, and especially you, Louie, is that like, I, I mean, I understand wanting to, wanting to, keep it in the bubble and wanting to keep it clean and everything like that. But like, are we doing them a disservice if we're, if we're not making it organic enough that we're changing the variables of the service and all that sort of thing? Or do you think we just need to get back to down to that basics and those repetitions right now, Louis? Yeah, I think two things. One, it's such a unique, never happened before time that there's probably at the moment, no right or wrong answer to that. Everybody's unique situations. It's going to be, they're going to have to figure it out. Like Omar said there, he did, he did it one way and then he stripped it back and that's benefited his keepers. Um, I think the other thing to add to it is the dialogue. You, you, I think you've got to go into these sessions with a real plan about what do you want to get out of this period of time? So for me, we, we've just had a, a semi-new assistant coach come on um, to the sessions and, and I was saying to her, watch how awkward these sessions are going to be to begin with. Because I'm just going to plow the goalkeepers with questions about what do you think? What would you add here? What would you take away here? And then at the end of the session, think, to tell them, I want you to come to the next session with a more open mindset. Because one of the things that certainly in my environment at the moment we found is the kids are still very robotic in their thinking. They've been told what to do in every session in the past. And we want to this period of time is an opportunity for us to try and take them out of that mindset a little bit and change that mindset. So they are more, um, they're increasing their IQ. They're thinking more as the session goes on. They're challenging us as coaches. So having that as kind of the driving force of trying to change the environment of the session has been what we've built the sessions on. 
And if that means the sessions are a little slower and there's less reps and there's more talking, this is the best time to do that. I think it's but the your, best your DOC's time. got to understand that though. They got to understand like that's where you're going with it. Yeah. And, and I was, that was, I was going to lead on to say your club, your, your DOCs, your head coaches, your parents have to understand that. And that probably comes from a communication aspect. Maybe it's an email that you send out to the keepers and the parents beforehand. It's definitely that dialogue with your DOCs going into, this is what I want to create at the moment within my goalkeeper um, training environment and my goalkeeper union. But um, that, that education piece is for sure. And the communication piece for sure needs to be there. You know, one thing that, uh, that, that was really surprising to me this summer, because um, I've been trying to work as, as you know, you two as well too, have been really studying a lot during this quarantine in regards to watching webinars and seeing other people's sessions and, and trying to just learn from everybody else is I didn't recognize that it wasn't just my youth keepers, but it was also my, my higher level older goalkeepers that when I asked them, why we're doing something or where we're going with this or where, where would they like to take their game? The answers were so vague and obscure that I realized they don't really know what they're talking about. They've been so programmed into having the, the answers spoon fed to them by their coach. And I think that's something that I've really been trying to instill in people during this time period is that autonomy, is that understanding of being independent and putting that independent study in. Like, Omar, I know like you've really been talking to a lot of goalkeepers and been like, what have you been doing during this time? You know, because there's only so much that I can do for you before you go back to college. Yeah, I think that's, back to Louis' point though, I think, and to build off what you were saying, Mike, Louis' point about just having those conversations and allowing us to see what's going through the goalkeeper's mindset going into those sessions. And I think, uh, Mike, you've always told me there's a difference between an actual coach and a trainer. A trainer just shoots balls and a coach actually has those conversations to know what's best for the goalkeeper, not just what's best for me, at least in my context of what I put on social media, what's good for my posting. So I've been able to have those conversations and, you know, I've been, I've had to dial it back because I was so amped up about, you know, Anthony White talking about his, you know, serving off the ground, no more volleys. And I was like, okay, let's do that. So then I stepped in and I was doing, you know, touch and shot and, you know, I'm not a striker. So sometimes I take a big touch and to try and get it to the goalkeeper's bubble or to their hands, it's difficult sometimes. So I needed to peel that back and have those conversations. And those goalkeepers kept telling me, look, you know, we know we want to work on game realistic stuff. But by the time we're stepping into those exercises, it's like we haven't even gotten our hands warmed up. We haven't really gotten our feet warmed up. We haven't been able to, you know, get a good grip of the ball. We haven't been able to shuffle our feet to, you know, smother a ball that maybe we're diving for instead of taking two little shuffles and getting to it. So it's like we needed to iron those things out. And so those conversations you're talking about, I had to have those. And whether it was a text, a phone call, or a voice message, and they would, they would leave me, now I have way more of an idea of what they need to get themselves ready for college. And who knows if there's going to be a season, but for the most part, those kids have just been saying, we're essentially coming to you to just get us sharp. And then once we get into our team setting, we'll expand our range and do all those game realistic stuff. But right now, we just need a lot of repetitions and getting, getting our technique up to speed is what I've been hearing from young kids. Louis, is that a little bit of ego swallowing for a goalkeeper coach right now to kind of be like, okay, you know what? Like I, I, I want to reinvent the wheel right now, but right now is not the time. And you know, maybe I need to step back. Uh, it, it is. I think there's nothing wrong with experimenting and, and trying different things. And if it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work. Your kids are ultimately going to benefit from a training session that you put on. If you've put time and effort into it and, and you care, so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with 
trying something, it not working, as long as you're able to adapt. Um, I think to, to Omar's point, the stuff that um, Anthony and Tim Dittmer and, and all the FA guys put on, I think for us out here, certainly in, in Southern California in the US, is it's the balance between wanting to go down that route that the FA with their FA DNA stuff has put on because it is so good. Um, and then where our kids are at currently right now here in the U S with how they've maybe been trained in the past. And I think if we go so extreme to one end, it's going to be difficult. And, and what Omar just said, there's spot on. And I've had those same conversations. It's, there's almost sometimes a big pushback. Well, we don't want to go so different. Let's go back to what we were doing before. And if you can get that balance between the two, I think you're going to be onto a winner and you'll probably end up finding out what works for this keeper in this session and that keeper in that session and, and different teams and different age groups really, really well. Um, and I mean, ultimately, I think if you can create the opportunity for players, uh, one of the things that's helped me hugely at Surf, and again, Mike, going back to you talking about discussions with your DOC, Surf has a, a mission statement that's about experiences and opportunities. And what I've been able to do with that in mixing my coaching philosophy and my sessions is I'm going to create this opportunity for you guys as players. You still need to take it. Like I've, I've already gone down the route in my coaching career where I've tried to force kids to get better and force kids to get to their potential and make them drink the water. And now I'm just at the point where I'll lead you there. And now it's, it's down to you. And if you can create these opportunities for growth, um, then it's still, on, it's still on the kids to do that. And, and if they don't, ultimately that's not your fault as a coach that's them dropping the ball i i, I want to bring this up right here by the way i mean that that's one of those things that's been one of the most it's it's still to this day one of the most difficult things for me to handle is like why why is this kid happy with this why is this good enough for this kid and and i'll, I'll give you an example all right well all right should we do one more rep no i'm good with that one okay you just got scored on. You want to finish on a goal? Like, to me, I don't understand that mindset because that's not who I am. That's not how I'm wired. So it's taking a little bit of me understanding, like, everyone, everyone's wired differently. Everyone ha wants different, you know, some of your kids want to play, you know, professionally, you know, NWSL. You know, some of your kids want to play in college. Some of your kids just want to play CNL. That's what they want to do. And, and, and it, it, is, it is what it is. So I, I'm trying to find that, that balance in regards to my coaching so that everyone in that session, because that's the hard thing for me, and I don't know about for you guys, is when I got three goalkeepers right now in the summertime, let's say, who are, have different mindsets of where they want to take their game. Like, Omar, I know you deal with this all the time because of the goalkeepers that yeah. you're training. No, no, I think, again, it's uh, I train older kids. Uh, I, I've had some younger ones, and I even posted one recently uh, on YouTube. And I don't know where this person was from, but someone wrote, like, a really nasty comment. And it was just like... No, I think on YouTube? Was, really? On YouTube. What a shock. It was, it was, what a shock. It was, but the thing is, like, when somebody writes that stuff, like, I used to get emotional about it, but then I watch it uh, unemotional. But, like, you know, I have an emotional reaction to it. And then I actually listened to what he was saying, and he was like, yeah, you need to understand that these young kids you need to develop an actual like baseline for them in terms of in terms of foundation of technique which i thought i was but i guess his to his point he was just saying that you know you're you're striking the ball too hard you're not playing the level that they're going to see the speed they're going to see the touches they're going to see and i said okay you know what you're right i i i can see your point so the next few sessions that i've had i've gone back to okay what's my purpose for this 
for this session. If all, you know, all, all goes to hell, it doesn't go well. But what, if I had at least one point that I could make, I worked on low dives today. Just, you know, having him attack the, point, uh, you know, the, the ball on the ball line, the proper ball line. So for me, I've gotten back to almost like the basics of having a purpose for the, for the sessions, for the younger kids and even the older kids as well. Like they, each one of them has their own, I guess, uh, needs and what they want to do for what they want the session to look like. But I try to get, okay, you want to work on in possession, out of possession, or like, you know, distribution. Then you, some people, someone wants to work on crossing and someone wants to work on handling. So I get a little bit of each one and I try and bring a little bit to each, uh, uh for the session. And then I, you know, walk up to them before the practice and I say, Hey Mike, this one, this, this part of the, 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 the session is going to be for you. Uh, these guys are going to, you know, follow along, but I really want you to focus on it. Let's go back to our terminology that we've established. And I'll say, Louie, you know, the crossing that we, you and I have been chatting about, we're going to work on it here. Just make sure we remember the little points. Okay. So I have those little side conversations. So I don't have to stop the session, but I have those side conversations and I feel like when they message me what they need and I actually take it into account and I put it in there, they have more buy-in and they feel like, okay, this is my, this is what I'm going to be working on today. I want to make sure that I took those notes that Omar gave me from last session. So we have some retention and some continuation, which I think is good for uh, relationships. So it's, 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 it's really hard, isn't it? In, in the club environment, um, I, when you're doing individual private sessions, maybe not so much, but I feel like in the club environment, you could have, let's say five, six kids, four, five, six kids, and they are all different and they are of varying ability levels. So tailoring a session where you're going to get one kid mike that says no i'm good that's enough I'm, I'm good with that today and then you've got another kid that's super competitive who has to finish on a save that's the balance that in the club environment is where it becomes really really tricky and i think trying to keep it as open-ended as possible is 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 probably the best way to facilitate everybody's needs to that but again to, to omar's point knowing what the goal is for that session is really important can you do it with each and every kid so that the goals are slightly different that becomes a little bit more difficult maybe maybe but it becomes a bit more difficult i mean i'll, I'll be i'll be honest with you omar like i think you're biting off a lot you know there i mean i've seen your sessions i know you can do it i know you can make it happen um i you know i think it i think it if you're if you have goalkeepers of the same level i think that's that's much easier to do than, than when you have goalkeepers of varying levels. And, uh, and Louis, I want to bring that up right now, speaking of varying levels and pace, because now talking about post-COVID, Omar's seen this as well too. Every goalkeeper's at a different level right now of where, where, where they took their game during this break. So now you've got your club sessions again with surf, right? And now you've got your goalkeepers. So what are they going to be facing in regards to the actual game? Because if, if the other players aren't fit and sharp too, those touches are going to be sloppy as well once they start getting into games. So, so how do you kind of replicate that to get them ready for this kind of like this, this new level of, of soccer they're going to be seeing? Yeah. I mean, going back to just dealing with sessions under the, the COVID restrictions, if you like, um, one thing that we did that we, we felt was more from a health and safety point of view from anything else is we separated the goalkeepers from the teams entirely. So the goalkeepers with me um, have not been going in with their teams. That's now created, if, uh, if the teams were going in twice a week, the goalkeepers would come in with me twice a week. It's given us the opportunity to actually have slightly larger than normal goalkeeper groups still within the restrictions of, uh, let's say, eight to a session. 
But now with having those extra numbers, it's given us the opportunity to actually recreate something that you might still see that's semi-similar to a game situation or semi-similar to a, um, to a team training environment. You know, if you can picture a goalie war setup where you've got two goals, you've got two keepers in, maybe you've got two crossers and you've got two players in the middle, still following social distancing rules and guidelines. But now there's different movements, there's different decisions. There might be a player that's obstructing a shot from another player and last minute gets out of the way of it. There might be a player that runs across the line of a cross. So it's definitely not exact game realistic and it's definitely not perfect, but there's still some kind of similarity to the movements and the thoughts and the ideas that the keepers are seeing. Omar, I know you've been doing a really good job of this because I've been watching the videos. Um, you know, And obviously the conditions are not the greatest in regards to the surfaces that you're working with uh, at those sessions. Um, but this is something you've been struggling with. I know you've been talking because you, you know, you, you've been talking to several people, you know, everybody about this. And I don't think I'm putting you on a, on a blast here because I think we're all, all in this similar situation is how, like Louis says, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but how do we make it as realistic as possible yet still safe? You know? Yeah. No, I think um, for, for me, at least I've, you know, from the conversations that I've had with, you know, some, some of the top coaches, I think the number one thing that I've heard from them is you need to be organized and not organized in your equipment and how you set it up, but organized in your session planning and your thought process as you write your sessions out. So I think it was Jack Stern one time I was talking to him and he said, he's had those days where he's written out the session and he's, he's known it like the back of his hand. He goes out there and he realizes, you know what? a conversation that I just had with one of my goalkeepers, they're saying they're a little bit more fatigued than I thought. I'm going to scrap it or I'm going to adjust this drill, this drill, this drill. And because he was so organized, he had the ability to adjust on the fly. And that kind of stuck with me and made me realize that, you know, when I have these sessions, even though the, the facility is not great, the ground is not nice, the goalkeepers are probably going to be hurting after a few reps. What can I tell them from each drill that's going to resonate with them and how this drill is going to recreate or replicate some movement from a game. So for example, we're doing like underhanded tosses for like some crosses, the service area is really bad to serve off of. You're kind of like, you know, ankle height, uh, grass. So I'm like, I'm don't know how many good reps I'm going to get out of this. So let's see, maybe we can serve from the hands. So I'm telling the keepers like, okay, it's a different type of service. It's not coming from the ground. But if we're thinking about it from a game realistic perspective, let's really try and delay our movement and pause as the ball is being served. And that's exactly what we're doing in a game off of a free kick or off of a cross. As that ball gets served, pause for a second or delay, like we talked about, Mike, delay for a second. And then from there, adjust the trajectory of where the ball drops. And so I feel like as long as we can let the goalkeepers know specifics as to what we're looking for and how this movement or how this recovery like save and, and how it replicates and resonates to the game and translates to the game, I think that is the best we can do in terms of keeping things game realistic. Yeah, you know, um, I think one thing, too, that we have to take into kind of consideration as well, too, um, is everybody here, um, you know, Louie, you brought this up. You said you guys are fortunate at surf because you have, have a facility, you know, with, with a good amount of space to be able to do this. You know, I think everyone is in a different boat. Uh, Omar, you're at a, what, a public park right now? Is that, that where yes, you're at right now? Yes, it's right horrible, now? dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm switching fields. I'm, I've, I probably bought more spray paint in the last probably like three, four, like two months than I've ever bought in my life. I'm just outlining the field every single day. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a mission, but honestly, you got to do, make do with what you got. 
Um, there was something that was brought up, and I think it might have been Mark Mason um, from the FA, speaking of the FA, who brought up the fact that when you're, you're stuck, when you've got restrictive situations like uh, field space and everything like that, look and see how the, fi- how the field teams, how the teams have actually set up their, their sessions and see where the open space is and see if you can manipulate their space. Because a lot of times they're not thinking about what, you're, what you need, right? So if yeah. you can find, if you can talk to them, have a conversation, go, you know what? I'd actually prefer this because this is what I'm going to be doing. A lot of times they're flexible, right, Louie? And are willing to move so that you can actually engage in a proper session. Absolutely. And then that kind of ties in with what Omar was saying about being organized. I, I did a, uh, a talk with um, Lisa Cole a couple of weeks ago about club environments and goalkeeper training. And the biggest thing with it is over plan over plan your session if you're going to put one session on really have that session go in two or three different directions and that could be because of field restrictions or you get there and you've got more space than you thought you're going to have what happens if you plan for six kids and two kids don't show so now you've got four players the over planning is is crucial and to again to omar's point with jack it might be something that you just have to be willing and ready and able to change on the fly. And sometimes that comes with experience, but if you over plan, it might be something that you've actually planned for a change, even though you don't expect it to, if that makes sense. Um, So I I think that's, that's massive. I think with that planning situation as well, just to build on what Omar was talking about at the start, the reps and the times that the kids have when you're going back out there is going to be huge, especially just jumping back a bit to what we were previously talking about when they first come out there, the amount of reps the kids get and the amount of time their work to rest ratio is going to be really important because you don't, a lot of these kids aren't going to have done these types of game realistic goalkeeper movements that they normally do because they just wouldn't have done it at home. You know, whatever, unless they've been sneaking in a private trainer in the back door or they've been able to get out in some capacity that they won't have been doing them. They might've been volleying a ball against a wall and getting some technical um, handling stuff in and footwork stuff in, but it's going to be an issue of overuse training right now if you go too hard with them too early. Um, so the over planning and, and, and being creative on, on the fly and that stuff, I, I think is, is massive. The session that I did last night, even though, again, in a fortunate position, I have probably more than enough room right now. But if I didn't, there was a team that had two goals almost next to me and the space in between me and them was enough where if I wanted to then go and work on um, goalkeeper long balls or I wanted to add to the session dealing with a ball hit over the top which is in club we don't really get the opportunity to because you just don't have that space more times than not when you're 60 yards out from goal um, it was something where I was able to add that to my session just because when I turned up the field space was there Fortunately, it went in with my topic and I was able to adapt it a bit. But yeah, just examples like that are, are important. Um, I want to bring this up right now because this is something that's happened to me with younger goalkeepers, not, not necessarily older goalkeepers during this time period, is there's been a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, individual training that's going on during the quarantine where people have been doing a lot of stuff with rebounders, uh, techne, all those things. And they're great. Don't get me wrong. They're absolutely great. My only thing is that a lot of the goalkeepers did this work and didn't think about why they're doing this work. And then they've come back to me and they're essentially acting as if they're still doing individual skills work. 
and they're not thinking from that game mindset. So like Omar, how do we get them back into that mindset to think this is really happening? This is a game. You're not against your garage door anymore. Like we're actually back out on the field. Uh, something you taught me, Mike, just be very patient with them. I think that's the, that's been for me, at least I always refer back to myself, but this whole process for me has just been, just be extremely patient with people. They've obviously don't, they haven't had someone coaching them through, uh, you know, volleying off the wall or they're probably catching the ball, just, you know, reaching for the ball because they don't know how to volley it off the wall. And like, they don't know how to, you know, serve at game speed. They don't know how to, you know, uh, some people have different learning capacities and the way they learn is from a coach, you know, giving them the shout. And then from there that triggers their movement. Uh, and some people are just born with it where they can, they can trigger that movement themselves. So I think it's understanding now, you know, peeling back a little bit more and being more patient with those players. And then again, uh, just understanding where they've been at from a simple conversation of like, what have you been doing? And then from there, I think as us as coaches, then we can go back into our for me, at least I'm a private coach. So it's not like I'm not with a, with a club. So I don't have six at a time at the most I'll have four. So I can have those conversations. And then from there really take into account, uh, you know, what they've been doing. And for the most part, I train older kids, college kids, and they've all been staying in somewhat good of shape. And if not, they're at least physically endurance wise, they've been, you know, uh, uh, up to speed with that. So for me, it's just, you know, having, having those conversations, but having extreme patience. And it's for me, at least it's been putting my ego on the side of like, I don't really care anymore how my sessions look. Of course, I want them to look great, but it's not about me anymore. I'm going to get them up to speed. And I've noticed that after probably three or four sessions, I had a kid who looked awful and all of a sudden, they're back. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is what I remember you prior to COVID. And he's like, yeah, I just need to, you know, four, four, three or four uh, uh, sessions and now I'm back to where I'm at. So I think some people just need to get their groove back, their rhythm back. And I think us as coaches, we should set the tone by being patient with it. Well, I, I'm going to give a perfect example. And then I want to ask Louie what he thinks about this. Like I had a situation not, not that long ago, probably about a week and a half ago where I clearly saw that one kid's weak foot was nowhere near the other foot. And they basically broke down to me and they said, well, I was just focusing on my strong foot during during the break and I think that says a lot because a lot of people when something's difficult they they give up on it and they focus on what they're enjoying and especially during the quarantine like great the kid was working that's awesome they were putting the work in and, and everything like that but I think especially for a lot of young parents out there or young goalkeepers out there and parents you, you know, when it's difficult and when it's not easy like you know try to try to motivate you know your young your young goalkeeper uh to work on that because they had, they had the time. And Louis, I don't know if you've, you've noticed this as well too. It's, it's really difficult, isn't it? When you've got no coach there motivating you or inspiring you and talking you through it, because one of the big things you get from parents is when they'll contact you as a coach, they'll say, Hey, can, can you say something to little Jimmy or little Jane about this? Because when we say it, it falls on deaf ears as a parent. Yeah. So you can only imagine what, lockdown was like with kids <laughs> trying to work on something called mom and dad screaming at them yelling at them hey you got to work on this you got i mean it, it yeah yeah parents probably got put to the test and kids probably got put to the test a lot during that time so i mean everybody's going to have dealt with that lockdown period differently some people would have gone away and it was it would have been perfect for them because when else are you going to get three four months to work on one isolated thing that you know you have to get better at which when you've got team training every single day and games every single weekend, you just don't get that opportunity to do um, to that capacity. Um, and I've seen kids when we've come back that have dropped the ball 
and and they've come back out of shape and they've come back rusty and they've literally done nothing and <laughs> that's where the patience piece is you you've, you've really got to check yourself as a coach so again i don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this at the moment mike it is other than being patient like you've both said so let well let's just break down so what it, in regards to surf right are you you're saying obviously you guys are staying away from from the team right now you guys are all training in isolation as as franz hook calls it um kind of take us through like kind of like oh the weekly the week basically of your goalkeeper right now so we we follow again purely from a health and safety point of view we ho- followed the whole herd mentality situation where if we were going to do goalkeeper training which we all decided we felt it was the keepers had to do that you couldn't keep them in with their team and then just receive shots with me standing behind them in the goal for example trying to give them pointers um we had to separate them and not have them bounce back and forth between the keeper training and their team so it's actually from a selfish point of view been awesome because they've come to me twice a week uh, in their groups and we've been able to rotate those sessions from easing them in from a technical point of view just having fun um, activation kind of games where there's there's no pressure right now and we don't really have to get on at them and we just start getting them to fall in love with being fall back in love with being out on the field to then when we've got slightly bigger groups doing some more game realistic situations so a lot of two goal games three goal four goal games where there's multiple angles and different shots and if if we haven't had the opportunity of having two full size goals it's been the uh, it's been one goal and then pugs or mini goals or targets or, or that kind of stuff so again having to be creative but that's what it's looked like. Our oldest group, we've managed to, um, on the girls' side anyway, have really good, strong numbers with the 19s and the 17s. So that's been great because they've been really able to get after it. Um, with some of the, the boys and the younger girls, there's still been your normal goalkeeper size groups from anywhere from three to five kids. Um, and while I've probably gone on into the sessions with a specific topic for that day, based on how the kids have reacted and the age of the kids and the level of the kids, if we've had to adapt it, we've had to adapt it. And I've just gone into the, into this period as a little bit like we're going to work on a bit of everything because to be honest, more than anything right now, you're just retraining how to dive, how to land, how to fall. Even if you've been able to do some technical stuff at home during lockdown, your body's not used to hitting the grass you know, X amount of times in an hour session or or, or a 70, 80, 90 minute game. So just slowly ease them into that. And we're at the point now where we've been able to ramp it up a little bit, working hard on kids service. I mean, I I probably, I probably got my most frustrated at the end of last week when the the 19s couldn't hit the target or couldn't hit a cross into the six yard box, which got a little bit frustrating, but having the kids do a lot of the service stuff has been good as well because for them it's just repetition of striking the ball and getting their different ranges in as well, which has been nice to do. Yeah, that's actually one thing I have seen that's been a positive in regards to the kids that have been working during this quarantine is a lot of them have come back in their skill set of actually striking a ball. And 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 honestly, just their accuracy has just gotten a lot better. Omar, I know even you have been working on your accuracy during the uh, during the quarantine because you had the time <laughs> you had the time over and over and over again. Yes. No, it's been, it's been a good time. I think, uh, there's like certain skill sets that us as coaches need to have. And I think it was Aaron Hyde and he was, he was mentioning it that professional goalkeepers, they, some goalkeepers don't have any patience with you. You have to have quality service, right foot, left foot. And that's the standard. And I think for me, at least I have aspirations of getting to that level. So I took a good amount of time 
and took my, my left knee has bad tendonitis. So I was like, you know what? I got to start striking with my left foot so that my right knee can take a little bit more of that, uh, that plant push. So it's been good. I definitely feel like I, I've made some strides, but far from where I need to be. My favorite thing about that whole story though, is that Louis is that Omar uh, told Aaron, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, I just watched that session that you were doing with your left foot. And I was like, man, I just need to keep working on my left foot. Cause I, I'm never going to be able to coach at that level unless I can serve the ball with that left foot. And Aaron goes, Oh, that was my right. <laughs> he's like, no, he's doing Aaron was like, no, I'm, I'm left footed. And I was like, Oh, 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 okay. oh, oh he's left footed. Oh, he's left footed. Oh, yeah, I was like, ah, okay. That makes, that makes more sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you right now, Omar, but I'm at the point where I've had to come up with creative warm-up and cool-down routines because if I do get out, I mean, especially after lockdown, my lower back and hamstrings. Yes, a hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. I have like I had to foam roll recently, and like after I like I was hanging out with one of my friends yesterday, and like I dropped something on the floor, and I like kind of like bent over to go pick it up. And she was like, oh my God, I like, I like screamed like, oh my God. And she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, ah, oh, my back. Like, I, I don't know. I can't tell you my lower hips, my back, everything is completely messed up. Especially in these privates, I have to serve most of the, most of the ball. So my legs are killing me. Yeah. yeah. You, you, need, you need to draft in some extra players in your privates just to get them to serve. <laughs> I, might, I might have to team up with a field player coach and be like, look, just come through with your players. I'll do my players. We'll make something happen at the end. So I'm kind of a hypochondriac and I was lying in bed this morning and I was like, I think I might have blood clots because basically what happened is yesterday is like without warming up is I trained a college keeper and this is the worst decision ever because uh, my body completely tightened up and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's not a good thing. So all those young goalkeeper coaches out there uh, who think that they can just walk out there, like give it a few years. (laughs) <laughs> Give it a few years and see how your body feels. I um, know. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to get ahead of it. I'm trying to get ahead of it with proper stretch routines. I might even drop a YouTube video and like just tell all the all the goalkeeper coaches like this is a routine that I'm going to try and like go to a doctor to. We're going to just all of us are going to grow together and make sure that no, we don't lose any youth in this process of coaching for the next ten years. I mean, that's uh, that's not a bad idea. I mean, we always talk about proper warm up and proper you know dynamic movement for uh for players. Maybe yeah, we should we do an episode where we're talking about for goalkeeper coaches. Hundred um, uh, percent, Louis. I want to bring that up because the injury thing—that's something I'm seeing a lot of right now. Um, and and it's not just in my own sessions; it's in other people's sessions that I'm seeing too. Kids are getting hurt. Kids are getting hurt, and um, it's not anything that the goalkeeper coaches are doing. Um, again, it's just that. Some of them are on different pages than other, than other kids are in regards to speed of play. Um, how are you varying your service, uh, kind of understanding where your goalkeepers are at? Yeah, uh, probably have to take a few steps back first. because, And again, this, depending on where everybody's at with their current situation of getting back out onto fields, we were, again, very fortunate that we'd hired a uh, sports performance director just before COVID kicked in. And myself and, and Kellen, the other goalkeeper coach at Surf, asked him to put a goalkeeper-specific fitness, strength and conditioning routine together. And it ended up being, obviously, COVID went on way longer than we all thought, the lockdown period, um, and it's still going on, like you were saying, but it ended up being this eight-week program. And we gave it to the keepers. There's links that sees Rory, the, the, the um, our sports science guy, doing the workouts as a demo so they can view it and see it. It can be done from, I think, our youth 13s use it all the way up to the 19s. And it's all your own body weight kind of strength stuff. So a 13-year-old can do the similar activity to what the 19-year-old's doing because it's going to work them individually and uniquely in their own ways. Um, me and Kellen ran a session ourselves doing it um, to test it out. And 
that was an eye-opening situation to realize that my hamstrings are extremely weak and my quads aren't what they and my knees aren't what I thought they were but that was really really good and a lot of the kids did a lot of that and they came back quite strong the, the base um so I think I'm not a sports science expert at all so I'm always looking to these guys for um advice and help with warm-ups and cool downs and, and the fitness stuff for goalkeeping because you don't just want to go out there and see your keepers run 120s to to get fit so a lot of this base strength, almost treating it like an off-season period was huge. And, and the players that did that, you could really see come back um, in good shape. Now, with that being said, definitely keeping an eye on the reps and the, and the loads and how long. Like, if you're not timing almost everything that you're doing or really planning the reps that you're in, you, you're going to put your kids in, in a tough situation. We had one of our 19s come in and say, the activity that we're doing where there was, I think there was three sets. There was a short cross, um, a, a service for handling, and then another shot to save. And we maybe did two reps of it. And then it just rotated round. And she said she felt it after maybe the second or the third time. And we told her to take a couple of, of sessions off, like take the next two sessions off if it's feeling bad, just because it isn't something that you want to get into right now where you, you, you're getting an overuse injury from going from zero to a hundred in such a short amount of time. And I think it's something that kids have got to be honest about and coaches have got to try and be aware about um, and, and really plan as best as you can to not overdo it. And this kind of goes back to, again, what we were talking about at the start with the communication piece to head coaches and, and parents as well. Let them know the kids aren't going to be dead on the floor in these sessions right now. So if they come back and they maybe feel like they didn't get a workout, that might not be the worst thing at the moment because we are just easing them into things. Yeah. You know, I think you brought up a really good point because that's kind of one of the issues that, that I've, I've been having in regards to parents being like, and, and I had a parent straight up say this to me uh, the other day. And um, the person said it a little bit more bluntly than this. Um, it was like this Russian guy and he goes, he's like, he's just, um, he's like, he used to work harder. He used to work harder. He's like, he's not giving you, he's not giving you what. And I'm like, look, man, I, I understand where, where your mindset is in regards from a work ethic standpoint and everything like that. But like, I'm seeing him huffing and puffing and I don't want to see him get hurt. And I also want him to feel positive when he leaves this session. And that, that was something I was starting to notice. I was noticing just the negativity that was starting based on just, he couldn't handle the pace. He couldn't handle the pace. So I eased it off and, and I, I, I was trying to have this conversation. I think that's a difficult conversation right now with parents for them to understand like it's the same kid. It's not, he hasn't changed or whatever. Like you've got to, you got to give, give them a little bit of slack too. Right, Omar? Yeah. Again, as they, as they come back again, we have to have patience and be realistic. And I think again, that's, I, I've felt fallen into that category. I've dealt with some parents who were like, yeah, I had a young kid and the mom was like, yeah, he got fat over over break. We, we fed him a lot of food and he has a little parents tummy. Are great. Parents are the best, aren't they? <laughs> I know, but it's, uh, you know, but I, honestly, again, I've, I've trained some of the older kids that I've had and I've been really fortunate that I've had two or three kids who come and train and after they're done, they're doing sprints, they're doing band work, they're doing, uh, you know, body weight exercises to maintain some foundation. So I've been very fortunate uh, with training older kids, but I've had two or three younger parents who have been, like you said, my kind of almost apologist for their kids of like, you know, this is not what he is. You know, you, you know, he's better, you know, she's better than this. Just give them some time. And I'm like, no, I'm, 
I'm okay with it. I don't know why you're apologizing for him. Just let it be. Like, I don't know. But I think it's just being patient. I think the kids, uh, as long as they have kind of that safe space to give themselves three or four sessions to get themselves back up to speed, I think that's all they need. I think we can guide them a little bit with that as well by, you know, we all talk about IDPs and we talk about communicating to kids and communicating to parents and giving them a little bit of ownership. I think right now it's a good opportunity to give kids little short-term goals, but have them come up with it themselves. Like you're starting now really at point zero. Where do you want to be in two weeks? Where do you want to be in a month? Let's say games go ahead on that first, second week of September, like they normally do. Where do you want to be at that point? And and give them those little goals. But again, give them the ownership. Like you tell me where you want to be. And then if it's way far off where I think we can talk about it, Otherwise, as a coach, you can guide me sometimes with that. Yeah, you know, you brought up a, a really good point right here in regards to, you know, having the, the communication and that open communication between the parent, the goalkeeper, and, and the goalkeeper coach. Um, I want to, we just mentioned berating being kind of one of these issues that, that, that we're seeing that's a negative that needs to be changed or adjusted in the way that people are presenting, you know, their point of view. Um, what are some of the other mistakes, Louis, that you've been seeing um, maybe goalkeeper coaches or parents making uh, during this time period that where you, you think you might be able to offer some advice that you've seen has been positive? Um, I, again, d- definitely the expectations and the amount of training that they're doing is, is probably the biggest one that I've seen so far. Um, I think with that, it's just understanding the consistency to train, like if training sessions are happening once a week or twice a week with your club right now, don't go home and do nothing. Uh, Cause I've, I've seen that a little bit with some kids. They think just cause they're back in club, then great. I'm back in club. I don't have to do anything else. And I'm sure you, every kid and every coach has always said or heard whatever you do in your club environment, it isn't enough. If you know, even if you're in the DA environment, the ECL environment where you train three, four days a week, it still isn't enough. What else are you doing? That hour and a half that you have at club a night, there's other things you can be doing, whether it is going home and watching video, whether it can be reading a book, whether it can be working on your, 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 your psychosocial elements and your mental toughness part of the game. Don't just go back to your mindset of whatever you were doing before do and use the things that you were using in the off period in the, in the lockdown period and add that to the, the added sessions that are coming in. Because if you can do that in theory, it should make you a double two, three, four, five, ten 10 times better goalkeeper. No, no, I would add on to that completely. And I've, I've had a young goalkeeper who's, I mean, like a workaholic and he calls me and he says, Hey, I'm just really curious if you've, you know, you, you've seen my performance and you've seen, my body type and you've seen all the little things, characteristics that I have. Can you give me like two or three goalkeepers that you feel in the world professional level, USL level, it could be EPL, it could be Bundesliga, wherever that share very similar characteristics to me so that I can watch some of their games. And if you have those games and you can send full games or even highlights, can you send those to me as well? Like I want to keep learning. So when he said that to me, I was like, I, you know, I love film. So I was like, absolutely. So I thought about three or four goalkeepers that look like him, you know, Casillas, Navas, like guys who are a little bit shorter and a little petite, but still have, you know, that uh, athleticism and can read the game really well. And so I sent him those, you know, those uh, uh, pieces of video and I said, watch these highlights, tell me what you see. And now 
finishing up sessions, we're discussing saves that we watched from like the highlight tapes of Kaylor Navas and saying, yeah, I was a little unorthodox, but he got away with it. Remember that save that I had earlier in the session when it was a little unorthodox, I kind of jumped with the wrong leg, but I saved it. Like, isn't that very similar to what he does? And he got away with it too, right? So like we're having conversations that are deeper than just technique, tactical stuff. Now we're actually having conversations about stuff that relates to him, but his mind is going everywhere. And I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to stimulate, stimulate it for him anymore. I mean, look, I, I think that that is so, so, so integral and just creating that thinking goalkeeper that we've all been trying to do. Um, and also, I love what you said about the unorthodox, because that's another issue that I've been seeing a lot of, too, in these, in these new sessions uh, post-COVID. A lot of goalkeeper coaches are sticking to their book and their plan of like what they want to do. And Louie, like you've been saying, you need to be able to be, make, make changes, make changes quickly uh, on the fly based on what you're seeing in front of you. And if you just try to stick to the book, it's gonna, it could fall apart. If it's not working, you need, you need to find it. I want to talk about um, the, uh, the isolation training, uh, Louie, that you said about, you know, you still need to be putting in that work because I've straight up had kids recently say to me, they're like, oh yeah, well, um, I stopped doing technique because club started again. I'm like, and, and it was like, it's like magic or something like, oh, well, club's back. So I'm going to be awesome again. Like, that's just the way goalkeeping works. Like, can you please stress to all the, I mean, obviously you work with youth national team programs. You see some of the most elite goalkeepers, uh, you know, in the age groups uh, in the country here. Can you, can you please explain what it is that they do in their off time that makes your job so much easier once you get them at the national team level or even at your club? Yeah. One coach said to me when we were going through the lockdown stuff and I was telling him what we were doing, um, he turned around and he said to me, kids should be doing that anyway. Like, like why, why aren't the kids doing that on a regular basis? They should be doing that on top of their three, four sessions a week and their one or two games at the weekend. And they've got to manage their load. They've got to have an off day. Or they've got to have a recovery day. But why aren't they doing all that stuff anyway? And, and he's spot on. And that's been a big message. I, I, I did a um, podcast with the, the Techni guys and I said the same to them. Like, I, I wish I'd actually known more about those, those types of platforms for goalkeepers as well um, prior to all of this because it's such a, a huge thing that you could add to your goalkeeping curriculum as a private trainer or as a, um, a goalkeeper coach at a club that you can have kids do on the side. The biggest issue you've got in club soccer is we probably in a normal regular season, you might have the kids once a week for 45 minutes. You know, it, it, <laughs> the realities of club out here, it doesn't look like what the academy goalkeepers get where they get them before every session for 30, 45 minutes, whatever. And then they go in with the team. You, you might get them coming, rushing over because they've just finished their team practice and then you got them for 30 minutes. You might get them and then they leave early because their team practice starts. And so anything extra that they can be doing is huge. And it doesn't just have to be from the, the technical point of view. Um, what Omar was just saying then about video is, is absolutely massive. Um, we did something during the lockdown period where we broke up shot stopping in zones. So when the forwards in here, this is where the keeper could be when the forwards closer, his, you know, we just, we, we broke it down, um, kind of stole it from Ian Fewer's uh, presentation. I don't know if you've seen that on his, his one B ones really, really good. And we had the kids create their own version of that presentation. So we had clips of them from games and we said to them, you now go out and find more clips of yourself or of pros and show us what it looks like. They came back with that. Then the second week we had them break it down. Now I don't just want to see the clips. I want you to explain each clip, pros and, and cons, positives, negatives. Um, 
and the kids loved it. They loved doing it. It, it. You know, I'd say we didn't get every single one do it. Um, and they, not every single one did it to the, the, the best of their ability, but kids these days can clip. They can go on YouTube. They know how to get it. They know how to work iMovie and all those things. And they loved it. And that in itself just makes them a better goalkeeper because they're learning more about the game. And I think in a culture out here where we still have an issue with how much soccer our kids watch, both on the men's side and on the women's side, if the more you can get them to analyse the game and clip themselves, as well as the... Pro- I mean, I know uh, I was listening to Fran's episode with you guys and, and he kind of got a new Omar about, don't them have, have them watch a pro, have them watch themselves. I think you can yeah. get the balance with that, right? Yeah. But the, I mean, the more they can do that stuff, the better. My favorite was Franz. He's like, he's like, why, the, why is he showing? He was like, that's not him. It's useless. It's useless. And Omar's like, <laughs> uh, okay, well, maybe we could back it up a little bit there. Like these kids aren't at, at Barcelona right now. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely, I mean, I, I personally, I've told the story a hundred times, but I've, I used to watch old, old Schmeichel videos, old Casillas videos. I used to have, and we had a Honda Odyssey, which people hopefully from all around the world, but maybe, maybe California wouldn't know about these cars. They had a little DVD player in the backseat and we had the 2002 World Cup and then we had the 2004 Euros. And we're, I used to watch those on repeat. They show all the highlights, all the big saves, everything, every match review. And we had a game at actual, in actual San Diego uh, Surf Cup and I had a game, I think it was a quarterfinal, and I'm watching, I think it was uh, Spain, I forget who they're playing against, but ball comes over the top, Iker Casillas comes out, heads it out of bounds, he runs back, everyone's applauding him, like saying how good of a job he does, and I remember that same exact play, the ball comes over the top, and I was like, oh, let me try this, and I was, I was like 12 years old, bouncing, I come out, I head it out of bounds, all the parents are like, you know, that's a great job, and then I'm walking off the field like, I, why don't I watch more of that so that I could steal ideas from the pros and maybe see if it works. I had no idea about proper size, who, you know, who's fast off their line, who's slow off their line, who has you know, height. I didn't even know Peter Schmeichel was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, until I watched that tape of him and it said he had like a quadruple XL jersey. I didn't know like all that stuff. I had no idea, but I was still like, my mind started going crazy of how can I apply this? How can I apply this? And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But I was like, shoot, I, I love the process. I love the game. And I think when your mind has that curiosity trait, you're able to see what you like and what you don't like about a goalkeeper's technique. And then from there, you move on and see if it works for you. But I think, yes, I've had goalkeepers that I've trained and I say, hey, did you watch this game? Even like women goalkeepers, high level. I said, did you watch the NWSL? Like uh, the, the, I guess the tournament that's going on now? Uh, I didn't even know that it was back. I'm like, yeah. you have no idea that NWSL is back? Like you don't know who these goalkeepers are? They had no idea. So it's just like, to me, it kind of baffles me. Of like, what, what are we doing? Like, why are you out here? Like, what, well, do you I love mean, the position or... I mean, straight up, I mean, like, I've had this conversation with NWSL coaches who are like, yeah, in the draft, there are girls in this draft right now who've never watched the league. Yeah. And they want to play in the league. I believe, just, I believe that, it. I believe that. It, it's a culture that I think, it's a culture that I think we have a responsibility to try and change. Again, you can't force anybody to do anything. But I think there's little tricky, clever ways that you can implement it. Again, you ask kids to go and, and clip videos of, if it's the women, Hey, don't go and get Casillas or, or, or Edison from, or whoever from the Premier League. Go and, go and get somebody from the women's national team because those clips are all available online. Go and get someone from the NWSL and, and you can kind of trick them into watching it and analysing it. And it is something that we can, we can affect as coaches, I think. And to Omar's point about when you do watch pros as well as yourself, because it is important to watch yourself, 
but everybody needs a role a role model everybody needs somebody that they look up to that they want to try and implement and if you're clever enough as a player to be able to think i'm going to try this in this practice or i'm going to try it in that game it helps it, it, it kind of goes into dan abraham's game face model i know you've had dan on the show before and i mean he's amazing i think every player should follow the stuff that he talks about but his game face model is all about having somebody that you want to try and emulate to be the best version of yourself yeah like, um, uh, he, had, he he did the whole neuer i think he did the whole neuer one uh was one of the examples that he gave and it was it was based on because kind of the, the profile of neuer was and that's what that goalkeeper wanted to be so they used yeah. the, the neuer the the kind of the representation of neuer with inside of themselves i love stuff like that because i love acting so i love performing so it's like wow i'm playing a character <laughs> this is awesome this is great look at me all of a sudden i'm uh i'm zach stefan uh probably never um, <laughs> no but I, I i've had a i had a goalkeeper who i train now he was at cal state la with me he's six foot six six foot seven he's huge and he's always reaching out to me and saying hey how come you don't post enough like fraser forrester highlights and I'm like, well, I, I just, you know, he's playing for Celtic. I don't really watch too much of him. He's like, well, honestly, I watch him specifically because I want to see what he does. Does he use his feet on foot saves, on angle shots? Because I need to know if, because I'm so tall, it's kind of hard for me to get down to the ground. So, like, there are specific traits about certain goalkeepers that you can definitely emulate or at least just see what works for them and then try it out for yourself. And at worst, it doesn't work. And maybe on the path of you trying something new, you figure out something else. But I think just having the goalkeeper's I guess, open their mind to uh, allowing new ideas in and not being stale or not being stuck on one thing to open their mind to new things. I think it's huge. It's a cool uh, little activity to do, isn't it? With your kids where you say, can you come up with what your characteristics are as a keeper? Really get them to think. And then, okay, can you find a pro that has similar characteristics and show me some clips? Yeah. And again, it's just getting the keeper to think outside the box and become a little bit more of a student of the game. Now, Louis, I'm not going to name out kids here, but I've done that with some kids, and the, the players that have come back, I'm like, ooh, you, you don't know who <laughs> you are. You do not know who you are. This is not the proper representation of yourself right here. And then they'll show, I'll show them like some USL keeper. They're like, where's that dude playing? I'm like, oh, he plays in the USL. He's like, wait, that's what you – that no, no. I, I, that, this Champions League keeper, that's, that's me right there. I'm like, well, I think you're more built like this dude right here. This is a good representation. But I think that's another thing too. And, and Omar, I, I, I want to give you props for this because you're, um, for a while, um, you were showcasing a lot of the similar types of goalkeepers, a very, very high level goalkeepers. And, uh, you know, throughout the last couple of years, you know, you've kind of varied the goalkeepers that you've been breaking down in games and you've been showcasing different types of profiles of goalkeepers, both on the men's side and on the women's side. Um, you know, I know AC and you had a, had a wonderful discussion about that <laughs> from, uh, from PSG. I've been getting that. called out. I've been getting called out by a lot of people on this show. It's crazy. People, people, people come here, people come here and they have some anger they got to let out and they just throw it towards me and I just got to take it. No, but I think, but I think that's what the reason we're all here, though, is just to is to learn and have these discussions and have these dialogues. And I, I'm, I'm no, no, appreciative no. of the fact that people are willing to be open and honest on this panel. You know, like I think that yeah. that is extremely, extremely important. Um, but but I want to say this, Louis, is that you guys have San Diego loyal right there in in your backyard. There's no reason, um, you know, the, at least you know, you know, the surf kids can't go down and check out well i don't know what the situation is right now in regards to fans or whatever but there's no in the normal normal time period there's no reason they can't go down there and watch these goalkeepers live and how important is it for them to watch goalkeepers of a higher level live rather than just on television because they can really see what they're doing off the ball 
Yeah, it giving me an opportunity for a cheap plug here, Mike, because we okay. did uh, we've been doing a podcast, a surf podcast during the COVID period for for all the surf affiliates, and we got Landon on, and he was awesome, and we were talking about that. We were talking about what it looked like before COVID for for them, and and now, and and as hopefully as they they start getting back out and playing, and that was a big thing. Like, where where do we where how can we help you get more fans out, and and are you open to allowing it and they didn't want to affiliate themselves with any youth academy to begin with because they felt like there's so many in the area that it's best to leave it open and try and get as many different clubs and different players from different environments going out there and watch. And that was a big, how we ended the podcast was how can we get more kids out there to watch you train? Because they're open to it. They're open to allowing kids to go out and watch training sessions. And it's such a cool pathway, I think from the youth game, college game as a lead way into the pros that there's a lot of, very very good players playing at that standard whether you're goalkeepers or field players and it's a, it's a good opportunity to go and see the next level for sure i think i think i was i want to add on to that i think from like it wasn't as normal i think you'd have to be somebody who's just craves goalkeeping 24 7 or just football 24 7 like i i, I feel like i was one of those people who always 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 no matter what game it was i'm sitting there watching just seeing what the goalkeepers do and i think it's become a little bit more normalized throughout this covid where like all of your friends were were on webinars your coaching staff from the top down they had webinars and they like you said you give them activities to uh to activate their thought process of who they are what their character traits are what goalkeepers do they emulate all that so i think if we can start normalizing the energy that we gave to COVID to kind of find creative ways to stimulate our goalkeepers when we can't have the physical activity, I think that's the next level of goalkeeping. And I think hopefully here in the States, we're going to have incredible goalkeepers who are born in around this time uh, or who are probably like 13, 14 around this time who were influenced heavily by the video footage or the video uh, analysis and the tactics, technical, all that stuff off the field and then once they were able to apply it hopefully we have a new wave of those guys so i think this energy that we have now whether it was the sharing of ideas from coaches or the young goalkeepers stepping in webinars and learning about how to break down stuff and how to do proper warm-ups how to do proper stretches i really hope that we keep the same energy yeah louis i, I want to talk to you about that because with all this this content and uh these uh out you know outside the box you know um, exercises and presentations and everything like that that a lot of clubs have, have done with their goalkeepers during the quarantine. How are you guys at Surf going to continue that type of education even while they're back on the field? And do you guys have a plan to implement that as part of your regular curriculum moving forward? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the best things that has come out of a really horrible time period um, is the amazingness of the soccer community with people sharing ideas and then people thinking outside the box um, from coaches coming up with creative ways that the kids can continue to train to players coming up with creative things. I mean, the, the amount of stuff we just gave our kids, Hey, who's got an idea who wants to do something different this week other than just skills like who, who's got another idea and some kids were coming up with all these different funny creative things some some were just team bonding ideas that you can now implement within your, your yearly training plan when you feel like you need a bit of a boost with team chemistry um uh, so there's definitely aspects i think the classroom concept the zoom concept is the biggest thing we all know that when it rains in Southern California, everybody turns into the Wicked Witch of the West and melts and no fields are open and everything's on shutdown. 
So instead of you just cancelling your practice or as a club, you're having to fork out loads of money to go and try and find a turf field. Now, you know, you can do a zoom team meeting and that might be kids doing skills in the garage. It might be as a coach, you've got a presentation, a PowerPoint that you can now do with them. It might be you do some video analysis of one of your games. And so while the kids aren't technically on the field, physically training, they're still getting something out of it that's making them better soccer players. So I think that's a, a big, big thing. Um, and, and just the continue to, to share ideas element as well. I, I think this is probably a little bit more for coaches. I was listening to um, Gary Kaneen do some stuff recently, and he was saying when he was uh, in college, um, he, just, he was so open, but nobody ever said to him, hey, can I come and watch a session? And as coaches, I think we probably need to do that more. And maybe it's taken this period for us to, to realise that, that people are open to sharing ideas for free um, and, and being a little bit more. I mean, Omar, you're probably leading the way with this. How many people have you reached out to in the last six months that maybe wow. a year ago you might have felt, oh, God, I don't really know how to or I don't well, like that person's not going to give me the time of day. Um, so I think as coaches, that's our responsibility to get better in that way for the kids as well. Well, I mean, look, I mean, here's a perfect example. I mean, obviously, you know, Louis, you, you left that great review after the, the Franz Hook episode. And thank you again. You know, we had, we had a tremendous time with him for two hours on the podcast. And people were like, how did you get Franz Hook on the podcast? I said, I just asked. Yeah. I just asked. And sometimes it's, it's just that easy of kind of having that mindset of like, why – why wouldn't this person want to want to help the goalkeeping community? Why, why, why do I think that this person would have a negative stigma towards this or not want to give back? The whole reason that a lot of the, the, these people are at the positions that they are is because they have been giving back to the game and, and they keep wanting to learn. I mean, I think the th thing about when Phil Wedden always resonates with me is when he says he's like, every day I'm still learning. And Peter Meller, you know, I mean, Peter Meller's been around the game for, I mean, forever you know and no disrespect to peter he's just been around the game for a long time and and he says he's still he's still learning so you know um just be willing to communicate with these people and uh and and pretty pretty much you know if you have something of value that you can give back to the game people are going to want to give people are going to want to give that back you know i mean just yourself right now i mean you know you've got to go out to the field you got to do sessions but instead you know you're going to spend an hour with us before you do that so <laughs> yeah Final pieces of advice to any goalkeeper coaches out there who have not started working, have their clubs have not started yet, um, to be ready to go once they get the green light and, uh, and what they should do that first session forward. Uh, I think kind of like what Louis said, I'm going to compare what Louis said to like my own experiences. Just keep everything simple to start. You want to gauge where your goalkeepers are at and see where their fitness levels are at, where their mindset is at where their fitness level is at. And I think once you're able to kind of gauge that, then you can kind of tailor the sessions um, around, around that. But if you go into it, like how kind of I was kind of gung-ho, really trying to apply all these new concepts and the goalkeepers aren't at that speed. For me, I could strike a ball, you know, a month off, two months off. I can strike a ball. It's going to hurt, but I can strike a ball pretty quickly. And, you know, my, stuff, my touch is still there. But for goalkeepers, that game level fitness and just that goalkeeper fitness, it takes three or four sessions to really get back up to speed. So take it slow, put your ego at the door, be patient, let them kind of dictate how it needs to be. And then once you have those one or two sessions in, then you could probably start expanding the, uh, the, the range a little bit more. But take it slow, maybe a bubble work or just technical stuff. And then eventually you get into tactical where it's a little less un unannounced. Lou, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, 
try and have a, a two to a four week plan to begin with. I know that's tough because things seem to be going forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, all over the place, certainly over here. Um, but try and try and have a, a two, four, six week plan. Um, over plan your sessions so you're super prepared, ease the kids into it, be patient, and then really go into this knowing what your goalkeeper philosophy is and how it syncs with the club's philosophy because that ultimately is what's going to kick the kids, give them a head start when we get back to some kind of normality. If, if your team's a build-out club, don't be working on smashing 50, 60-yard balls right now or, or vice versa. Try and make it implemented as much as possible so that the kids are ready to ease into their team sessions. And, and I think you'll find it's probably seamless when they do. Yeah, I think that's going to be a heck of a lot easier than them having to try to understand three different systems and then get th get thrown into one and be like, but we were just working on this with the goalkeeper coach. And it's like, yeah, that, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Um, do you guys have a specific style of play, by the way, Louis, at, at surf? Uh, a surf philosophy all the, all the way across the board with all the clubs? Uh, yeah, we do. It, I mean, it, it's from the, the boys' side and the girls' side, I would say, is semi-separate. They're two different built philosophies even though they're probably a lot, there's a lot of similarities in them. Um, just two people have built them differently, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is very, it's a very build out. If you go from the goalkeeper's point of view, it is a very build out, try and play short, try and uh, organize your team shape and, and unorganize the opposition and exploit in, in different ways. And um, we probably concede most of our chances in, uh, transitions within our own half because of that so how that affects the goalkeeper in, in defensive transitions and defending the space and defending in the area it, it's how we build a lot of the goalkeeper training sessions around those two things there's always distribution and build out stuff in everything we do and defensive transitions because of that well, I, I want to say this is uh, probably the first podcast in a while where Omar Zini has not post has not presented a video, and I've, uh, I was waiting for <laughs> uh, some sort of specific. Here's a session to do right post quarantine uh, <laughs> for you for you to follow. Um, well, awesome, man. Um, Louis, uh, before we go, if uh, if anybody out there wants to know more about what you guys do at Surf, um, or if there's a goalkeeper coach out there who wants, you know, maybe a little bit of advice, uh, I know that you know obviously you're pretty active on social media. Um, where is the best place for people to reach out to you? Yeah, uh, at Twitter, I'm at Louis Hunt seventeen L O U I S H U N T one seven, and on Instagram, the best place for goalkeeping for me is at GK Graduation Academy. All right. And Omar, obviously you can reach him at pro GK Academy underscore on Instagram, but uh, keep the DMS uh, specific because I, I know sometimes people reach out to you, Omar, and they go like, Hey man, what does it take to be a pro? Or like, I think I'm good enough <laughs> to play pro or like, like, do you know anybody who in the premier league and like, you're like, you know what, man, like if you could give me something a little bit more specific here so I can help you out, it'd, it'd be great. Cause I've got, I don't know, 17,000 of these that come into me every 10 minutes. So, you know, <laughs> Uh, remember guys contact at inside the 18 media.com. That's the number 18 media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms, Louis, thanks again, man, for, for honestly, your continuous support of the show and, and all the content out there. Um, we, we really appreciate it, man. You know, when, when people such as yourself, you know, you're, we're coaching at such a, at such a good level and working with such elite players, you know, enjoy what we're doing. It makes us feel like, uh, 
like we're going to continue doing it and, and keep trying to uh, inspire other people. So, yeah, um, absolutely. It's uh, this, again, the stuff that you guys put out there is, is great on, on this platform, Omar, on your platform as well. It, it's, it's really good. Uh, I was saying this to a coach the other day when you, you have so much soccer on normally and you're watching the premier league and then you, or the NWSL, and then you've got the MLS, and then you've got the German League, and then you've got the national team. To be able to click onto the podcast and hear you do the, the recaps of things, it, it's a good way for a goalkeeper coach to keep their uh, finger on the pulse with the world of goalkeeping. So I appreciate what you guys do. It's awesome. No, no, thanks, man. Thanks, and and before, before we go, Omar, I know you got to go right here. I want to stress to everybody out there, those recap shows, check them out. We have people on that are not goalkeeper people a lot of times. They're soccer analysts. And the reason is, and we, we talked about this on some of the posts here, is that I, I want all the young goalkeepers out there to start watching the game and learning the game. Don't just, watch, don't just watch the goalkeepers. We want you to start understanding the game and how the goalkeeper is involved in the game. Because as you say, you're talking about a build-up build team like, like yourself, Lou. If your goalkeepers don't understand the game and how a play develops, they're not going to be able to play in your system. Um, all right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later. Yeah!